On this episode of the Star Wars Time Show, Matt and Nick will guide you through a litany of new Star Wars topics that good fans need to know about. But before that, they'll honor the 20th anniversary of Attack of the Clones with a best and worst of lists retrospective. They will then get into highlights from the Kenobi press tour, including comments about the lightsaber fights, the fan love between Hayden and Ewan, and more. After that, with their flood pants on, they'll wade through the deluge of new live-action Star Wars details provided by Vanity Fair's extensive article on the state of Star Wars storytelling, which includes updates on Mando, Ahsoka, Andor, The Acolyte, Grammar Rodeo, and Star Wars movies. Oh, Jedi Fallen Order 2 gets some love as well. Of course, the show will end with the fan segment featuring question of the week responses and the latest Star Wars fan artist features. Punch it, Chewie! Everybody, welcome to the Star Wars Time Show. Matt has COVID edition. Yes, that's why we are nine minutes late because my brain is operating at a slower pace than usual. Because, as you may have seen from Nick, Nick kind of outed me. I did. I caught Shame, it. Shamed I, him. Publicly. I caught the, <laughs> the damn vid. I, I mean, we, I was sitting here last week talking about how I was playing with fire, and lo and behold, I got fucking burned. So, um, yeah, you know, watch out. Just just be careful out there. I'm, I'm one of these people, fully vaxxed, boosted, works from home, uh, only really goes out to go see movies and do stuff with the family. Uh, the, the two ladies of House Haywood have been out and about, you know, going to school, going to work, were wearing masks when they were mandated, not really when they when that went away. And I'm the one that got bit and uh, neither of them got hit this entire time. So it, it's like uh, I win the shitty immune system award for House Haywood. But um, hey, it is what it is. Like I was telling Nick, play with fire, you're going to get burnt. And, and I sure did. And, you know, I'm not going to, I do feel a bit like a loser. Uh, thankfully, I'm one of these people that did not get smacked by it. At least not yet. I, I haven't really uh, realized all the hidden gems of getting COVID. Uh, new ones kind of pop up every day. Uh, but as, as Nick was saying, I, I definitely did not get hit with the hardcore respiratory version. Uh, I've never really felt like I've had the flu. Uh, I'd say the worst was Thursday and the, and the Friday of last week, uh, super congested. Uh, but really just, I, I think I'm getting the, like the nervous system brain COVID because I've, I've had a lot of the fog sense mutations. Uh, my sense of smell and taste are definitely muted right now. They're not completely gone, uh, but I'm definitely missing that punch you get of flavor from certain foods mm -hmm. and hot liquids that I like in my throat. Hello. I'm telling everyone that I got COVID. Yeah, and you guys didn't. <laughs> yeah, great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, welcome home. <laughs> she, she's getting sick of it too. No. Right, well, it's nice to see you. No remorse. Okay. I'll see you after, all right? Okay. You want to say hi or you, you look a little... <gasps> 
a little scared today. You gotta get in there. You gotta lean in this way. It's like playing video games. There you are. Me and this little one, we've been going through Lego Star Wars together. And, um, you know, she's learning. Hasn't quite nailed the left and right stick. That That's a, a yeah. big uh, impediment to gaming right now with her is left moves the character, right moves the camera, but you can't use them independently. You kind of have to use them together, right, bud? Yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're getting there, bud. I take, that's, that's hard <laughs> for anybody who's not used to it. Your camera behind the That's figure. right. We always keep the camera behind the figure so we can see everything we need to do and not right on top of it or not to the side or not looking down at them, right? Yeah. Because that's when daddy starts to get a little frustrated. So <laughs> I've actually done well. I mean, there, I'm not going to lie. There are times where I, I definitely get a little too intense for someone that's never gamed. Um, but I haven't, I haven't been, I haven't scared her off yet. I guess nice. we'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, COVID, it's, it is what it is. Uh, I, I just, you know, take, take my, uh, my story as a as a warning there it, it's still alive and well and and doing its thing even for those who are trying to do the right thing although i would argue i did not do the right thing last week we, we know how i got it we had a little girl over whose whole family had it and for some reason just because she tested negative that morning we were like hey yeah let's watch her for six hours and i proceeded to go hey whatever i'm not wearing a mask and now here we are so it happens, but like like I said, uh, luckily I have not been just taken out. But I, I don't I don't want this to be a tale of like, oh hell, Matt did okay, so I'll do okay. That that's not how COVID works. That's the reason why it's so fucking rampant in this world because a lot of people do like, oh he was okay, so I'll be okay. Well, you don't know. Like I said, I was fully protected or as protected as you can get through science. I am a decent. Uh, I, I am in decent shape. I do work out. I eat okay, so I'm not a big blubbering piece of tub of lard, and I don't have underlying conditions. So you got to take all that to heart as well. But uh, I can tell you that, like the the mental stuff it's doing to me. I mean, even before we went live, I was sitting there and just I was telling Nick, I was like, in my head, I, it just sounds like do 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 do, boop 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 boop. What should we do right now? It's just like uh, the guy behind the wheel is is not fully there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, it truly feels like I have an alien virus in my system. It, 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 41 years is the first time I've come across it, and that's how my body feels. You know, Nick, I don't know if this makes sense to you, but you know when you're sick, you can almost smell and or taste it, like in your head, you know? It's almost like yeah. the, 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 mu the, the mucus or the overall feeling. You just, you can almost taste it. That, that's how I'm trying to explain it. Well, COVID has its own taste. Like, it, it's unlike the flu, unlike the common cold, you just know you're fucked up. Does that make sense? Like, it just feels different. It's like... Yeah, yeah. This this cold taste is not the same. It is something new. So, go oh well. All right. We're not here to talk about COVID. I'm all right. Thank you to all those in the Discord who, um, you know, fond, concerned. I, I You know, that, that means a lot. Oh, it was an emotional weekend. But here we are. I think the worst part about the diagnosis, Nick, was I tested positive the day my one wheel showed up. <laughs> um, and, you know, last week I talked about it. I, I can't even tell you the anticipation I had to get this one wheel. I, I felt like I was a little kid again waiting for Christmas Day. You know, I, I buy nice shit for myself all the time. And, you know, I wait years to get my hot toy Star Wars Barbies. 
and it's fine. You know, I, I don't get any anxiety waiting. But when I ordered the hot the the one wheel last Monday, I just had this this burning anxiety of like, when's it going to get here? When's it going to get here? When's it going to get here? And it shows up on Friday. There's Nick's drop. Um, what do we have? Who had the total recording time was at 14 minutes through OBS. So that is the full time we were live. So someone, uh, I know there was an over under competition in the chat. So go ahead and uh, figure out the winner. But whoever had under 14 minutes just won the When Will Nick Drop Out Star Wars Time Show pool for episode 213. Bat okay, said 14. eight, and technically we've been recording for eight for right at eight minutes well, when I dropped. I, Nick, so. <laughs> I was going off of the OBS timer, which okay. was when you and I first started chatting. So that's yeah. your true total time of connection, yes. and it was 14 minutes. Okay. So 14 <laughs> minutes or less. Um, all right, uh, back to the one wheel. So it, it showed up Friday, right when I tested positive. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is my lot in life. You know, it, it, this, it, this one great thing, this big purchase I was waiting for. Uh, I've tried my best with COVID, but sure enough, I get smacked with it the day my new toy shows up. <laughs> so I, I still had to try it out. I decked it out with all the customizations, got on it Friday night and just was sucky at it. It was like, did I just waste $1,500? But Saturday I was determined. And I also, that, the other thing on COVID, you can't sleep, at least me. Saturday I was up at 4 a.m. Uh, so I took it out early and just pushed myself on the one wheel to figure it out. A few falls here or there. But um, now I've gotten very comfortable with it. I consider myself a part of One Wheel Nation. I'm feeling the stoke. May the stoke be with me. And it's truly one of the greatest devices I've, I've ever had the pleasure to own and play with. So stay tuned for more on the One Wheel. If you've been sitting on the fence, I highly recommend it. I, I'm not a board sporter. Uh, I skateboarded when I'm, I was a little kid, but that's about it. Never really got too into it. Never snowboarded, uh, water skied here or there. I'm pretty decent snow skier, but not single board. And I say I picked up the one wheel confident enough to get up to about 13, 14 miles an hour uh, within about two, two hours or so of, of diddling around on it. All right. Um, I'm sorry, my friends. I just, it's not that I'm feeling bad. I just, my brain is COVID fucked. I, I just, it, I'm going to rely on Nick to kind of keep us on pace today, but it's very hard for me to, to stick to one line of thought. So let's go ahead and get into the Star Wars stuff before I go down too many random tangents that make no sense. Um, props, uh, I, I, Justin, get one, dude. I mean, the lifestyle you and you and Devin live just screams one wheel nation. Feel the stoke. All right. Do you hear me? I'm even using the terminology. I was going to say you get easy. Like you would, if you would join a cult very easily because you get pulled into shit like that very easily. Yeah, more than likely. <laughs> I, I don't I mean, it depends what they would make me do, but yeah, I, I, I could definitely in the one wheel app, <laughs> I'm st it shows you where all other one-wheelers are around you and some of the runs they've made, and I'm definitely ready to go uh, find them and, and meet up. So um, I, I would definitely snag the one-wheel. You know, it's a PEV. If you live somewhere where, you know, your, your commute's close or, like, like I said, I, from, from the life that Devin and Justin put out on Instagram, it looks like they're always at the beach or in Santa Monica. One wheel is perfect for those locations. Coffee runs, 
head shop runs, weed store runs, one wheel life. Feel the stoke. <laughs> May the stoke be with Nick. All right, let's do it. Um, hey, I, I am cloud headed, but I don't need to be cloud headed to love the prequels. We're here to celebrate one of them right now. Attack the Clones turned 20, I believe, over the weekend, Nick, or on Monday. I forget uh, the exact date. I'll never forget my first screening of Attack of the Clones. Uh, we got a theater to ourselves. I mean, again, this was back in 2002, so there was no renting your own theaters or or even getting assigned seats back then. My dad, through his work at a restaurant chain, knew someone that ran a, a theater house in town. So we got to go see it before it came out with four of us in the whole theater. Nice. So I was feeling the stoke, as they say. Uh, but then, you know, you watch the movie and, and like some fans have figured out when you build up expectations in your head and then watch something in Star Wars, it, it, it can sour the experience a bit. And, you know, here we go. We got Attack of the Clones. But it, it turned 20, so we are going to celebrate it briefly with the top five best moments from Attack of the Clones. And because I am a man of negativity, we also have to discuss five of its worst moments. All right. So... And I'm, I, I'll, I'll be honest with everyone. I, I know Clones is on most people's big turd list for Star Wars movies. It is not for me. Uh, that is going to be, and I know this is controversial, but I've laid out a manifesto that you can check out on YouTube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. In fact, if you are new here and you're not subbed yet, make sure to click on that subscribe button, like this live stream, leave a comment, turn on those announcements. But I did lay out my reasonings for Revenge of the Sith being the worst prequel movie many years ago. Go ahead and check it out. I don't care to rehash it. But clones, I think outside of just some overall poor script writing and, and acting moments, does have some standout Star Wars moments. Okay, Nick, I, I know it's your least favorite movie, but we got to be nice to it this year. It's turning 20, okay? <laughs> so just try to be I'll try let to you be lead gentle on the nice. All right. So our top five nice moments, and by our, I do mean myself and the mouse in my shorts. Um, all right, so here we go. I got to find where they're at. So, moment number one from Attack of the Clones. Camino. And by Camino, I'm talking seeing the clones for the first time, the march music, the chat with the fets, and the curious, curious conversation, and of course, the fight between Django and Obi-Wan. All right, I just, I find a, a lot of the Camino segments to just be good old Star Wars. All right, it was George kind of flexing his balls with the CG, uh, but you had some good John Williams score moments in there with the march moments like and you know the fight between Django and Obi Wan is somewhat entertaining, Nick. So that is number one. All right. Do you agree with those? Uh, I, I'm just going to, I'll agree partially with your top three. The last two are both dog shit. Okay. He's, he's saving his speech, his points for the hate. Clearly. Oh no. The, the, uh, the whole movie is like when you open uh, up a, something saying like about a movie saying, man, the script and the acting really sucked, but here are the good <laughs> moments. That's enough to tell you how good the movie All is. All right. <laughs> So, uh, top moment number two, 
the seismic charge space battle. Everyone and their mother remembers that sound and the first time they've heard it. We've all popped chubbies and got hard nipples after the fact when we've heard it in the the Book of Boba and in The Mandalorian. So the um, seismic charge, or as I like to call it, the seismic charge and the space battle. Good stuff from Attack of the Clones. Up next, Anakin's dark deed and his reflection moment. I still contend his little uh, diatribe in the Lars family shed is one of the greatest portrayals of live action Anakin Skywalker that the prequels gave us. It's really the only time we see that character struggle with his emotions, struggle with how he handled his emotions, and show that he has the capability to do dark ass shit. I mean, it's, it's probably Hayden's finest moment in the prequels when it comes to just pure acting. Moment number four. So these are the two that Nick, he, he can't even pretend or, or play nice for AOTC's 20th. I'm going to go with the Geonosian arena and then leading into the battle of Geonosis. All right. I mean, hey. A lot of people like those wavy, wavy Jedi rave moments and the the beasts, the arrival of Yoda and the clones, the battle, all that fun stuff. So if anything, eye candy. And moment number five, the Dooku lightsaber between the bros, but more importantly, getting to see Yoda fight in a very odd manner considering how the little green man carried himself in the other films all right so those are the top five moments from attack of the clones (laughs) and notice how nick has nothing to say so we're going right into the terrible moments the worst five moments from attack of the clones are first up obi-wan's mullet It makes some of the bad lines he delivers even worse. Enough said. Okay. (laughs) This is your lightsaber. Don't lose it. (laughs) Okay. I mean, it's just terrible. Up next, the Naboo field scene. The one where young Anakin is surfing on the ass of this bulbous Nabooian cow thing. It looks terrible. It plays terribly. And then it leads into what has now become one of the biggest Star Wars memes on the planet, which is the conversation between Anakin and the very lovely Padme in her yellow dress. Yep. Bad moment number three. Staying on Naboo with the lovebirds. There's a theme here to the bad moments, by the way. The dinner scene and the I wish I could wish it all away moment. It's just bad. I know this movie had to establish the love relationship between these two, but it just never hits for me and it never will. I could see the love from Anakin. I mean, it was, it was borderline creepy, get a restraining order. I never saw the love angle from Padme's point of view ever, which leads me into bad point. Number four, Padme's, I truly madly, deeply love you moment it's spoken poorly 
written poorly and it comes off poorly. So much so, even Anakin himself looks there and goes, bitch, what? Like, <laughs> I thought you hated my guts and thought I was a, some creepy kid Jedi freak. And then, worst moment number five. Acting in general isn't good. And I don't really blame that on the actors. I mean, hell, you and himself last week, and, you know, we're, we're going to talk about some of the press tour. He's like, listen, man. When we were making those movies, that, that shit was new. You know, staring at green screen and, you know, giving the script we were scripted. It, it just, it wasn't fun. And it showed in our performances. So, there you go. Top five, worst five moments. Nick is fully disengaged, so we're going to move on. But I felt like, hey, it's the 20th. We at least have to bring it up so we do not look like full-on prequel haters. Because you, we're not. You left I've, out I've actually, the whole opening scene with the fucking shitty speeder chase through the city oh yeah that was well, fucking there you, there awful. you go that, that, that was my honorable there, there's my honorable honestly mention. i haven't watched that movie in at least four years and i don't oh i i, I taken it i taken a clone screening at least once a year i mean i i probably watched the star wars movies at this point but you know with a little kid uh and not that i'm blaming the little kid i probably would anyways but i i watched the 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 full films at least once a year um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not that averse to them. I, I mean, like I said, going back and watching the prequels now, it's almost, it's almost fun. It's almost a fun experience because I've watched I, I have released a lot yeah. of the hate. Yeah. Uh, releasing the hate and watching them just, you know, it's, it's nice. It's, it's nice not to have that burden of my own hate kind of, uh, as I screen those movies. Yeah. Again. You, so you, you used to be like violently angry at them. Oh, like, I'm, I'm I, awful. <laughs> I never was. I just didn't like them. And like, I still like episode three was, was more bearable for me because there were enjoyable moments. And that one for me personally, storming of the temple, seeing certain things happen in that film. But like, uh, two is unredeemable. Like, it's just so hard to watch in every facet. And I don't like, I can't even really think cause like even for, like other bad movies I can think of like, oh, well, I can just like watch this scene and it'll be like, you know, it'll be cool. But like, really, I can't think of a single like scene that I would jump to in episode two and be like, I just want to watch this. Because like one of the things that we made fun of most was the Geonosian arena scene. And I can't believe that you put that in the top five because <laughs> we always used to talk about like, you can tell that they're just a single person standing in front of a green screen, just waving right. lightsabers back and forth. It's, it's that visual flair that the <laughs> prequel fans and the little kids of the prequels told me about it. Hey, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be a gatekeeper anymore. I'm really trying to get away from that shit. As much shit as I talk on angry star Wars fans, I was that guy yeah, yeah. as Nick said. So I am much softer on the prequels now. All right. <laughs> I just, they don't, rub me the wrong way i'll still argue and, and nick's not wrong revenge of the sith probably is the most well done i just to me it was an affront the way they handled his turn and i i don't want to go into it we've talked about it a million times on this show if you're new scrub through our 213 plus episodes or go watch my manifesto uh, but but sith to me is my least favorite prequel because his turn to the dark side is a fucking joke. Like I, I can feel myself getting angry just fucking thinking about it. So I'm going to move on. <laughs> <sighs> I got to channel my Mel Gibson breathing techniques here. 
Okay, so there you go. We 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 had to touch on it uh, just to celebrate it, the twentieth. And all of you heading out to celebration next week, you, you'll get plenty of AOTC uh, as we got with um, Phantom Menace right. back in twenty nineteen. So enjoy, enjoy. If you love it, that's fine. You should love it. No one, you know, Uncle Nick and Grandpappy Matt aren't here to make you feel bad about that shit anymore. At least not to your faces. We will definitely <laughs> talk shit about you when the cameras are off behind your backs. All right, dude, let's go ahead and get into the, as the announcer said, litany of Star Wars topics to talk about today. And, you know, I don't think the, these are what we'd call deep dives, but there were some revelations made through the Obi-Wan Kenobi press tour. Uh, but today, the, the Vanity Fair article, which I recommend any fan to at least take the time to read in full, or why not check out StarWarsTime.net's coverage, because we, we kind of... We take the choice items that you need to know and break it out so you don't have to go through all the words and shit. Um, but before we get there, I want to kind of settle in on the Obi-Wan Kenobi press tour, Nick, which um, I know you not being a huge fan of the prequels, you probably didn't give two shits about. But for the, the, the younger kids out there that grew up with the prequels who are now adults... I think last week was a special week for them, in addition to Hayden Christensen and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, because a, a lot of the press tour stuff that came out, I, I personally thought it was great. Uh, you know, it's awesome seeing Hayden out and about again, talking Star Wars with his homie Ewan. It was great seeing Moses with them. You can tell that by putting those three together, those are the stars of Obi-Wan Kenobi, Vader, Reva, Kenobi himself. Uh, so I like seeing them out there interacting, but more importantly, just what they were saying. And we're not talking about it now. I would actually love for you to go check us out. I, I've been doing more short form content. So IG Reels, YouTube Shorts, TikTok. Uh, but there's a great video out there of Ewan talking to a fan who was a kid when the prequels came out and just kind of saying like, yeah, man, it's been nice that all you have grown up and now we finally get to hear the praise and how much you did love our work and our movies because when we were doing it, it was a nightmare. It, it, it wasn't, they weren't fun to make because of the technology. And then we got our asses reamed by critics and fans alike. So it's, it, it was just nice to see these humans who are just doing a job to finally feel good about jobs they did almost 20 years ago because other humans made them feel like piles of shit. That, that's kind of what I'm getting at, Nick. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just... It's like Hayden, like, hey, man, for the first time in 17 years, I feel like Star Wars fans like me. I mean, think about that statement. I don't think he's saying that shit to, to promote Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think he's saying it, to be honest, like, look at his life post-Star Wars, too. I mean, think about what that human has. I, I don't want you to feel too bad for him, because guess what? He He's not working nine to fives like we are, and he got invited back to be in Star Wars again. But, you know, think about the emotional toll of, I just spent six to eight years of my life kicking my ass, giving my all on this project, thinking that fans would love me and I would be forever immortalized. But when it first came out, guys like Hayden were made to feel that the prequel sucking were his direct fault. Yeah, He no. can't act. He's terrible. He's over-emotional. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, he ruined Anakin Skywalker, which means he ruined Darth Vader. I was one of these motherfuckers. Yeah. And uh, to hear him say, like, 
for the first time in 17 years, I finally feel like Star Wars fans love me. I almost want to cry for the man myself, Nick. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of you sad know? because like, I mean, that's what Star Wars, I mean, that's what fans of anything do is like they improperly place blame for bad things onto the wrong people. And realistically, the prequels came out the way that they did, whether you like them or not, because of George, not because of the people who acted in it. Like he's giving them direction. He's writing. He wrote all the scripts. He wrote all the lines. He didn't allow for improvisation within those script writing things. So like anything that you do or don't like about the prequels all falls on the shoulders of George. And like, for me, like I, I, like, I think I realized that kind of early, but I was never a person to like direct my anger at actors or something like that, or really direct my anger at anybody. Like the movies were what they were and I didn't enjoy them that much, but some people did. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that he's finally able to feel like people appreciate him now. I don't think that anything's changed about the performance or the movies themselves. I just think that like when you're five years old and you grow up watching a movie, uh, regardless of whether it's good or bad, like you're going to appreciate it when you get older, because at that age, you don't have the ability to see good from bad. All you see is what's in yeah. front of you. So, yeah, um, I mean, it's yeah. I, I like I said, I, I got one of the interviews out on some of our short plat short form content. So whatever our main platforms are, IG, I hate to say TikTok because we, we still can't catch on over there. But our, our reels have been doing all right. Uh, YouTube shorts, not so much. But what, what else is new on fucking YouTube? We've been around for three years and still don't have a thousand subs. So thank you, everyone. <laughs> Uh, but it's just been, I, I don't know, I, I, I've, I've enjoyed seeing the Kenobi press tour. Uh, I mean, some of the photos, I, we, we, someone shared a funny meme. It's the, Nick, it's the Poe Dameron one where he's on the, the, the skiff and Tross yeah. saying they complain about pants now. And, and, and the, the background to that is last week they were dressing Hayden and Ewan in some wacky outfits where the, the, the pants were very uh, unique <laughs> or, or very uh, fashion forward, if you will. And, and you know, Obi-Wan always had a flood look. Uh, Hayden, uh, Hayden dressed as, you know, you could tell they were trying to make him look like Vader and Obi-Wan like Kenobi. He was blue and or Hayden was always in black. Yeah. Uh, but you know, they, 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 they looked a little, like I said, a little fashion forward to people were bitching about the pants, but I, I thought that meme was funny. How but did hey, they dress it, Moses in that big fucking pink puffy jacket? Was that her? I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> know. Like, that look? <laughs> yeah, that, that is a good, um, that is a good point because they very clearly styled Hayden and you and after their characters, but then Moses, she had like no black or red. It was very loud and in in your face. I think she looked fantastic. I mean, I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I I find black females to be extremely sexy. Is like uh, one of my uh, when I used to frequent strip clubs. That that is the type of stripper I would go for. I was a a big fan of of black strippers. Not saying that Moses looks like a black stripper. I think she looks like a very good looking woman. Um, but Nick is right. They didn't quite theme her after Reva. But it's just it, it, check it all out. Actually, one of our subjects that we don't even have to talk about. It's just a post on StarWarsTime.net. I've got three individual videos of you and Hayden and Moses talking. If you're a fan of these people from the prequels and you haven't seen it yet, make sure to check it out. But the point I do want to bring up from the Obi Wan Kenobi press tour, it's not just nostalgia base. It's some good information here. 
Um, Hayden, talking with Total Film, confirmed that the lightsaber battles we're about to get in Obi-Wan Kenobi aren't going to be the slow and methodical dances that we got in the original trilogy. In fact, they're going to be more in line with what fans got in the prequels. So Hayden said, we're more in line with the prequels than we are with how the fights are in the original trilogy. These characters have aged, but not that that much yet. So... I mean, it makes I sense because they're the only, I mean, of the movies, the prequel generations are the only ones that were properly trained in lightsaber techniques. So they should carry that over for sure. You know, and and I think it's going to be kind of interesting to see Darth Vader in particular move at a quicker speed because it, even in Rogue One, Nick, it looked like he was on a Sunday stroll through the corridor, right? I mean, he was he was doing work, but he really wasn't moving with any sense of urgency. I mean, he, it was a nice walk, a very methodical pace as he was murdering, you know, rebel soldier after rebel, rebel soldier. It's almost like he was testing himself to see if he could murder faster than they could run the disc to the other side of the door. <laughs> um, but if, if Hayden's telling us we're going to get prequel level fights, that to me implies we're going to see Vader jumping, twisting, and moving with speed that we've never seen Vader move at in a live action Star Wars property. Yeah, I mean, even in an animated Star Wars property, like Star, like Vader has never been like what I would consider like a nimble fighter. And I don't no. think that he's supposed to be. Um, so I wonder if like if that statement may apply more to somebody like uh, Moses's character or the other Inquisitors more than it does to Vader. Because um, Vader, like even in the like video game portrayals of Vader um, pre Disney acquisition, he was still a very slow plotting, more of a powerful fighter than a nimble fighter. So interested to see if they do work in any sort of like dexterous fighting for him or if it's just like he's trained the people around him, his inquisitors, to have the fighting style of like a prequel trilogy Jedi because that's how he was trained. But then he's still kind of like the slow plotting like Jason type of fighter where like, yeah, I'm not going to move fast. But once I get you, I get you. See, I... And, and, and I, I could be making this up. This could be COVID playing tricks on me because I am quite foggy these days. But I, I'm almost positive in either our own leak or some of the other ones we've heard about the fight that he is described as jumping, twisting, flipping, uh, that type of stuff. And, and really, if you look at his quote, he says, these characters have aged, which means Obi-Wan and, and Anakin, but not that much yet. So we're, we're talking about 32-year-old Vader, uh, I, I've never really kept tabs on how old Obi-Wan is. I'm guessing he's at least, what, 10 years older he's than 10, Vader, yeah. 15, yeah, 10 I to 15? he's 10 years older than uh, Anakin. Yeah. So while I don't, I don't think we're going to see Vader doing, Vader doing, you know, like Jedi runs and shit like, yeah, exactly. But I, I could see him moving the blade much more like we yeah. saw Lord Vader in Revenge of the Sith and maybe a few more jumps here or there, maybe, you know, like a backflip. Uh, but, but I do feel like just the, the, his rage for Kenobi may, may give him that extra fuel to allow him to kind of uh, move much quicker, much more nimble than we've ever seen him before. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, it, it, it probably is. I mean, you have to argue 
the, the, the way he battled later on in the Empire's run may have been just a pure intimidation factor. Like, watch this. I'm going to go on the battlefield and, and move through it like, you know, I'm, I'm walking through a, a field of flowers. And that's going to just intimidate the rebels even more because they're going to see me moving through slower than a fucking tank, decimating battalions left and right. It's almost like if he was, you know, moving fast and being action oriented, they'd be like, oh, yeah, we, we expect that. But when he comes through lumbering and slow, as you said, it, it induces that Jason like whore feel like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Look at this guy. He's walking down a battlefield as we're shooting turbo lasers at him and he seems unfazed. We better get the hell out of here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that I think that's probably like we'll get a mix of that. And then, like you said, some maybe faster lightsaber action. Um, but yeah, if, like it would just feel weird if he like did a flip or he did like a fucking jump barrel roll spin like fucking Palpatine did in episode three. OK, I'll give you that. <laughs> we don't want any of that shit. All right. The Senate, he's allowed to do whatever he yeah. wants because he infiltrated the the Republic and literally took it down by himself with a few random schmoes that he had help him along the way. So he can do whatever he wants. But you're right. Uh, yeah. No twisting torpedo flips <laughs> or shit like that. But if it's a a front flip to, to get closer or a back flip to miss a sword swipe. Sure. I, I think that's that's more than realistic for a Darth Vader at this stage of his career to pull off. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he still is the chosen one technically. I mean, yes, he has no, of none of his own appendages left and he can't do the force <laughs> lightning, but Palpatine wouldn't have kept him around this long if he wasn't still a, a powerful badass. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I do think we are going to get probably the flashiest and most strong Vader to date. And that's why I, I still don't understand fans that are sitting here kind of hedging their bets on Kenobi or almost, uh, it's almost, I've seen some fans almost wishing Kenobi away. Like it never was a thing. I, I don't, I don't understand that. Like we got to get over this. Uh, I mean, the original trilogy can't be a sacred cow anymore. My friends, it, it, it's not. I mean, there, there, there've been enough, George changed enough in the original trilogy with the prequels that they haven't been a sacred cow for 20 plus years. So, um, we, we got to trust these people. Dave Filoni, while he didn't write Kenobi was still a sounding board for Canon. Okay. I don't, I don't think anything they're going to do in Kenobi is going to harm anything that you heard spoken in a new hope or return of the Jedi. I honestly think it's going to make it stronger and provide more connective tissue and, and give more meaning to some of those iconic quotes that Vader drops on the Death Star or that he drops to Luke on Endor in, in Return of the Jedi. I just do. I, I don't know. I, call me a sucker. Call me a, a lemming. I have full faith in Lucasfilm, in Disney, in those that were in charge of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series that they are going to deliver and they are not going to ruin any existing canon they're only going to make it better okay and this is coming from a motherfucking glass half empty type of life liver i mean i literally that's how i live life everything is bad nothing is good but i am not like that with star wars i can't be like i just i, I gotta have faith in it they they have not done me wrong yet on disney plus star wars yeah i think like okay? people just don't reserve judgment until they see things anymore like it's weird how 
people will just go into to pieces of content with just like a preconception that it's going to be terrible without knowing yeah. anything about it. I just, but also like, I don't, I, don't, I mean, I don't do that in a positive way either. Like I'm not going into anything thinking that like, this is going to be awesome. Like I just go into it. And I'm like, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to see what it is. And then I will judge it based off of what I think of it. Like, like the book of Boba Fett was an okay series. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. It was okay. Like Robert Rodriguez made his vision come to life the way that he wanted to. And some of it was good. Some of it was not so good. And that's okay though. Like it doesn't have to be great. All it has to be is cohesive and make sense. And it did that. And it told a pretty good story. So like, I just, you got to wait till you see something. You got to wait till you see like actual yeah, I episodes. Mean- before you I'm not going to go out. like I'm not going to go that uh, is agnostic a good term to use. I'm not going to go like that neutral into Kenobi. I'm going in th- thinking and knowing that it's going to be hype. It's going to be badass, but that's me. I'm also someone that if I go into it and it doesn't knock my socks off, I'm not going to get on my social media and start bitching and moaning about how Deborah Chow is stupid and uh, Kathleen Kennedy is ruin my, ruining my childhood again. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm excited for it. I, I just, I don't understand the pre-negativity. Like Nick said, yeah, just, at least yeah. wait until you see something. Uh, the, the whole writing shit off just because in your head you believe that certain things can't be changed, even though Star Wars has been fucked with since day one. I mean, look at the goddamn special editions. Who did that? George Lucas himself. Those aren't the original Star Wars movies, so that's what I'm saying. Like we don't don't get so fixated on the original trilogy as sacred cow territory because it has not been sacred cow territory for the creator himself since the mid '90s. I mean, he fundamentally changed all three movies, Empire the least, via the special editions. I mean, we just watched Jedi again this weekend, and I again to Charlie, I'm like, dude, this whole ending segment, you can even see the Ewoks are dancing to fucking Yub Nub, <laughs> but for some reason, we replace it with this campfire YMCA kumbaya bullshit. It's, but that's what he wanted to do. So, you know, back off the ledge, wait till next Friday. If you get through the first two episodes and it makes you want to stab your eyes out, then so be it. But this whole like, oh, I don't know about Kenobi. I think it, they better not do this or Kenobi better not do like throwing out all these ultimatums. It's like, or what? Or, or what? You're going to cancel your Disney Plus? Wow. OK, have <laughs> at it. You're going to bitch and moan and troll Star Wars fans that like it. Good for you. If that gets you through your day. All right. What are we getting in here? John Watts breaking news. Uh, what do you mean breaking news? I broke that two hours ago on StarWarsTime.net tones. God damn it. <laughs> Come on, buddy. We posted the grammar rodeo stuff. See? No one no one pays attention to our content, even our most loyal listeners, Nick. So I I, I don't just make shit up here when I bitch and moan on the show. It is it is reality. <laughs> But yes, Tones, we'll, we'll be talking about that John Watts confirmation here in a little bit. So um, moving on, um, th- this is just Hayden's quote on the fan reception to his return to Star Wars. 
Um, it's been very rewarding experience in that regard. It's been really nice to have this wave of positivity over the prequel films and to see that expression come across has been really nice. So, yeah, I mean, this guy and really, I think all of them have legitimate prequels PTSD because of, of how awful people were during the prequel era. Oh, hey, yeah. remember, they're just people, too. They're doing a job. Think before you type yeah and um there's another one here this was on uh this is hayden again talking about how kenobi and how he feels it's going to be like i said it's going to give us even greater connective tissue between the prequels and the originals and and to me i think that is awesome I've, i've said day one i am here for star wars for story and story alone i don't really care about the visuals the special effects the way people look who's a lead who's not a lead if the girls are boys i could give a flying fuck if it's a good story it's a good story and i love how star wars always is connected regardless of era filoni talked about in the boba fett behind the scenes uh he he's talking about it in a piece we're gonna do on ahsoka it's all about this connected, connected universe. So here's what Hayden said. We're adding more connective tissue, and so that has to line up. That was something that I was cognizant of, even when we were doing the prequels, and knowing that there's someone else that played this character before me and after me, and we have to find something that feels right. I spent a lot of time just watching all the Star Wars stuff I could from the original films to all the animated shows, Clone Wars, Rebels, and all of that. So that's the stuff that gets me excited about Kenobi. Is what, what is that connective tissue from the prequels to the originals going to be? Is it going to be bringing in, you, you know, Senate stuff, uh, early rebellion stuff, resistance stuff, familiar faces? We know we're going to get some bounty hunters. We know we're probably going to see uh, a familiar senator's face. All that shit connects and just makes Star Wars feel more whole. And that's a good thing. Uh, and then really the last one here is just, like I said, it, it, it's Ewan talking about his PTSD from the prequels. So I'm not putting words in their mouths. This is literally what they are saying here. Um, I'm just going to try to find some of the good stuff here. Yeah. So he, he basically talks about, Hey, when we made those films, the credit, the, the, the critics kicked our balls in and it was not fun. But then he goes on to say, but what we didn't hear at the time was people, your age, your generation speaking to the sir dorks of the world. And, and really even the Nick's, even though Nick, I know started with the originals, but he, Nick technically would have been that was, prequel generation. I was a teenager right? when I was 14, when clones came out 17, when, um, Brats came out. So yeah, I mean, technically that was my generation. Yeah. Um, and I mean, at the time, like they were fun and I enjoyed them. And I thought that that fight scene in AOTC, when I saw it in the theater at 14 years old, when it was Yoda flipping around doing all that stuff was like, oh my gosh, it's crazy. But like, as I got older, I don't know. It's just, I don't know if it, if it's like that luster wore off from when I first saw it when I was like a teenager but it just like those films don't age well. Like you can watch. I, you know what it is, Nick? I, I, I honestly think that I, I have just rubbed off on you over these, what, seven years we've been doing this now. Well, also, I think that like you make a concerted effort to make everything that you see Star Wars good to you, regardless of yeah. what your actual feelings are. <laughs> like, 
It's the same thing that happens like when, when you're in the middle of anything and like, it's something that you enjoy. You're like, I have to like this because it's because I like the property and I've just like disconnected myself from doing that. Yeah, now. I don't. I don't know if that's a fair <laughs> statement. You're, you're basically saying I'm a clown. I don't. I don't think I'm a clown. I, I don't just sit here and have them shit Star Wars into my mouth and I smile and say thank you. I generally can find something I enjoy in all things Star Wars. I, I don't think that makes me an idiot or a dope uh, for finding reasons to watch Attack of the Clones and not throw up. Uh, so I'll disagree <laughs> with you a little bit there. Um, I, 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 I don't sit here and, and fake my enthusiasm for Star Wars. I, I don't think that's a correct statement. Um, but anyway, like I just, it's, it's a, like it didn't, those movies don't age well. Like films that age well to me, like Jurassic Park aged well, like not only because of the visuals, but because of the acting and like those movies don't age well because they're not acted well and the visuals are bad in them in, in many spots. So like, I just accept that and like if there's things that i like about them then i'll go back Nick's and watch gatekeeping those. my star wars fandom all of a sudden how about that <laughs> I mean, he just said i'm a jerk off i'm like a seal that sits here like oh, 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 oh star wars <laughs> come on man you know i'm not a fucking idiot I, I wouldn't sit here and tell you something i didn't believe in i honestly can enjoy all things star wars even the shitty parts of it i just nice. like star wars that much that's it period I mean, I, I don't think that's a, an odd thing to say, considering how much time I dedicate to the franchise throughout a week. So I do take a little bit of offense to that description of my fandom. Um, all right, what do we got here? Oh, these are just a lot of the great quotes on them talking about how nice it is now to not have assholes yelling at them, so... Um, I don't, like I said, check out our, our reels, the short form content for that type of stuff, but we will move on to the next topic here, which is an Ahsoka casting rumor. And I'm interested here to see who Nick thinks that this, um, actor may be playing. Uh, so this came out last week and, and I will kind of preface this with this one's coming from Daniel RPK, who is a, um, a leaker that charges people for his leaks so take that for what it is uh, I don't know I mean I guess that's why I kind of look at people like making Star Wars and give more credit to them because they just put it out there and then everyone else steals it and claims credit for it and puts it on Reddit because they're banned from Reddit but uh, Daniel RPK apparently charges people to listen to his leaks and I don't think he is always hit um, uh, but I, I do want to bring this one up cause it has been covered, but according to this guy, Matthew law, L a W who has starred in agents of shield has apparently joined the Ahsoka production in what is being described as a big role. So Nick, if you look at this guy, I've got a shot of him up on the live stream. If you're not on the live stream, you're listening to the podcast, make sure to check out starwarstime.net either the post that Nick puts out to house the podcast or just search for Ahsoka and you'll find it. Uh, but you got this, this, um, the, the shot of Matthew law. So Matthew law, big role, Ahsoka. What say you? I mean, he looks like he could be Saw Gerrera's son, but other than that, I really don't know who he would like fall into as a late, like a, like a post rots and I mean like a purse 
a post ROTJ character that fits his description. Like I'm looking, I'm scrolling through all of his pictures on IMDb. Are you, you're not getting any Ezra Bridger? No, at all. not even a little bit. If he is, that would be relatively it, disappointing, honestly. I don't he know, man. I, I like him. I don't know. Like this one here, the IMDb and the white shirt, no beard. I'm look. Yeah, I, I see it. I, I think you could, you could, you could squeeze an Ezra out of that. No, I mean, I, I, I'll say I think that Mina guy is definitely closer, but I, I mean, that's been all smoke and mirror so far. I mean, this is like the the closest male semi rumor that we've gotten that could fit Ezra. I you're, guess. you're not feeling that at all, huh? I I don't get Ezra vibes from him, but. If they cast him and he's a good actor, then I'm all for it. But yeah, like when I immediately look at him, I do not think of Ezra. All right. I I, I can get it. I mean, obviously the, the, the skin tone's there. I think the face structure's there. We're, we're also, for those people that have a hard time, we're going from an animated to a live action. So no, Ezra's not going to have a big fucking nose and, uh, uh, you know, that, that narrow jaw. Uh, but I don't know the, the the picture I'm looking at now. If you're on the live stream, I've got it uh, enlarged there. I mean, he's a very good looking young man. There's no doubt about it. I could, I, you know, you slap on the the orange and yellow shirt. I I could buy this Matthew Law as Ezra. Uh, I, I I think they could do it. I also think that like he tracks pretty young for what Ezra would be at this point, right? Like Ezra. Well, when probably- Ezra got pulled away, he was what. 14, 15, 15-ish. How old was... Well, I mean, Luke? Okay, we, we don't... So we, he was we, like 19... We, yeah, Ezra and Luke and Leia, they're, they're the same age, essentially. Yeah, so, they're like a day or so apart. So he would be... He probably what, in his almost mid-20s? 18. He would be 18 when he got pulled away, right? Because that no, was almost it, right up to when A New Hope started. I, I I still think Rebels was a, at least a year or two, maybe three away from the Battle of Yavin. You'd have to verify. But it, let's not even worry about that. If we know Luke was 18, 19 at A New Hope, so is Ezra. Uh, we always pretend there's like two or three years between A Hope and Empire, so that puts him at 22-ish. Season Empire, four w- of uh, Rebels happened the same year as the Battle of Yavin. Zero B really? Yeah. Okay. All right. So he was well, 18 or 19. So that would put him at, I mean, I guess that would only make him so what, like 20. No, he'd be like 32, right? 30, low 30s, late 20s at best. Yeah. So I, I think maybe, this, maybe this he's dude close. still fits. Yeah, he's yeah. close. Um, yeah, I guess. I guess. But yeah, like when I first looked at his picture, the first thing that popped in my head was not Ezra. Like the first, literally the first thing that popped in my head was he looks like Saw Gerrera's son, but Saw Gerrera doesn't have a son. <laughs> I was going to say, okay, yeah, big role for a character that doesn't even exist. So I, I don't know. I mean, who knows if this is even legit, but looking at the guy, knowing the property, I, I kind of went towards Ezra. Uh, otherwise, it's a big role, brand new character. I mean, there, I, I don't know. Um, but that, that's kind of what I was leaning at. And, and I, like I said, if, if this is real and the Lucasfilm casting director went with this guy, then he's probably the right person. So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, you know, Soka's out there filming. We, it's confirmed release in 2023. 
But outside of Rosario, mum is the word on official castings. All the other stuff, even the Hayden thing, is not official. So no one knows shit, but I, I do think Matthew Law, if this is legit, could pull off uh, the, the Ezra. He, he, you know, he's even a little stacked. A little, he's got a little more musculature than uh, Mina would have had. And, and I agree. I mean, Mina, I think, would, would fit it as well, too. He, it's probably more so lines up in the face with the Mina Masood playing Ezra. But I, I, I think Law, Law could pull it off. He could pull it off. You know, if, if you can make Rosario Ahsoka, I think you can make this guy Ezra. Yeah. No doubt I mean, about it. Yeah. If they do you think, though, do I, I don't even think, I, I, I think, I mean, we know Ezra almost has to be in the Ahsoka series, but I don't think he'll ever be confirmed until the episode. Oh, no. yeah. They're, they're not right? going like, to say that he's Ezra. Like the, the, <laughs> They they probably won't even officially ever announce the Thrawn actor until they show up. Or do you think they'll make that official since she think, technically mentioned his name? Yeah, I think Thrawn is more likely to be like pre-confirmed before the series than than Ezra will because Ezra, if you if like if every series is supposed to have like a like a character that they keep under wraps until it comes on the screen, it would probably rather be Ezra than it would be Thrawn. Um, because I mean. Ezra's the real big hitter for the people who are fans of the the cartoon series and Rebels and stuff like that. Like Thrawn, yeah, Thrawn's a known quantity already. Like we already know she's looking for Thrawn. That's why she was outside and that's why she was fighting um whatever her name's character was and 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 all that stuff. So we know that he's in play already up to this point. We don't really we don't even have confirmation that Ezra's in play from stuff that's been said in the the previous series. So I would imagine that they would they would save him for like a oh my god he showed up almost like a Luke moment. Yeah, I just like I mean I I think you're eventually going to get official castings uh, if Sabine is in it. I think you can get Sabine uh, announced, but maybe they sit on all of it and just want us to think that oh it's you know it's Ahsoka or and will Dave kind of pick up the rebels epilogue or is it going to be slightly different because he already mentioned Thrawn. So he's a tie, he's tied to that, but really nothing else. Uh, I, I know a lot of us are fan writing the continuation of the rebels epilogue. I mean, that that's what a lot of us are anticipating Ahsoka to be because we got the Thrawn Easter egg way back in Mandalorian season two. It just makes sense. If she's looking for Thrawn, She's got to be looking for the guy that got sucked into uh, the unknown region, regions with him, which is Ezra. Yeah. It just, we, we've said a million times here on this little show, you can't have Thrawn resurface in the Mando timeline without addressing Ezra Bridger. It just, it's not even a chicken or an egg type of situation. It has to be resolved because <laughs> their fates are literally intertwined with whale tentacles together not fucking around i mean they were wrapped up or thrawn was wrapped up ezra was using the force to keep that wrapping and they got pulled out into hyperspace by the force whales so that needs to be resolved in some form or fashion uh, do we get it all i don't know does ezra show up out of nowhere i don't know is ahsoka the one that finds him who knows is ahsoka the one that finds thrawn and ezra and somehow saves him, and then Thrawn goes bad again. Who knows? Uh, there, there's a lot of uh, pages to be filled from the Star Wars Rebels epilogue until 
the Mando timeline where yeah. we know Ahsoka has this goal of hunting down Thrawn for whatever reason. And well, now so. we know from Kathleen Kennedy's interview that Ahsoka is probably going to be more than one season too. So it's hopefully, I mean, you would yeah. think you'd think they'd throw Dave a bone uh, and give him cause that this is like Dave's first series of his own that he's writing. Uh, I know we remind people of this all the time, but John Favreau is the creator and main driving force of the Mandoverse. Uh, it even uh, Kathy even touches on it in the Vanity Fair article today, where there was a point when when John brought the idea of Mandalorian to Lucasfilm, and Kathy was a bit concerned with how it would go over with Filoni, because I guess Dave was also kind of kicking around a Mandalorian type of series at that time. But she said she brought them in for a play date and they actually hit it off and we, we see the fruit of that play date. But uh, apparently she was a bit worried about ruffling Dave's feathers a bit. Um, yeah, because if, if Dave leaves, who do you got? <laughs> who, who's well, left? <laughs> I, I, now, I, you know, I don't want to I don't want to throw all the other creators and artists under the bus, but I, I what, you're, you're not wrong, Nick. I think what what Lucasfilm loses is uh, some credibility from fans because we all know that Dave Filoni is the chosen one from George himself. I mean, he was literally handpicked to become George's apprentice. So that is the Filoni connection there. Like he's not the only one creating awesome star Wars content. That's not what we're saying, but he is there to kind of guard the star Wars Bible, if you will. It used to be um, there. There used to be other people that were supposed to be in charge of that, but they clearly fucked that up. So yeah, that story group, like they don't even <laughs> talk about them anymore because of what happened with it. And yeah. it, 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 I don't. That that's like you know that's like kicking a fucking bees hive for me because <sighs> the, the sequel trilogies had so much fucking promise, so much promise. Uh, TFA is a damn good movie and set things off on a great path. You really could have, you could see where things could have went and then, nope, let's let artists kind of write their own tales and we'll somehow mishmash that together. So Nick is right. That, that story group failed. And now that's why we have the Filoni, but Ahsoka is truly going to be his first near full control, all him where he's writing, uh, producing, doing a lot of stuff that John would be doing on the Mandalorian. Uh, so I guess, you know, we'll, we'll find out, but I, I, I don't think in terms of Ahsoka casting at best, I think you get, uh, do, do you think they hold on the Hayden stuff if that is real or is that something they would let loose early? I, I, I would think that if you're gonna, if you're gonna do it in season one, I would, I would want it to just be like little pepper, pepper it in, not like do a full drop on it yet because it seems like she already has a pretty straightforward objective in the first season and that is to you know either find Thrawn and then then find Ezra and then go from there um the Hayden stuff could be you know if you if you pepper it in there because obviously at this point motherfucker's dead and like you know he's he's gonna be if anything reaching out to her through the force then that you could do it that way, but I don't know if it would be like a an overarching storyline yet. Because at yeah, that like, point too, like it seems like she's come to terms based off of the conversations that she had with Luke in their in their interactions um from you know book and then from Mando that she has come to terms with 
what happened to Anakin and oh yeah yeah you know, yeah stuff no, no like doubt that about it yeah so I don't know if if there would be like necessarily like a like a through line where she's grappling with her her feelings about what happened to Anakin at that point but I do think that he would be like a good like force mentor kind of like Obi-Wan was to to Luke after he died yeah, so I, I guess what I'm looking at, Nick, you know, for Kenobi, they put out that grid of confirmed actors early on, I think even before it started filming. But, you know, over the year or so since then, we found out that so-and-so is in it and so-and-so's in it and so-and-so's in it. And I, I'm, I'm wondering, like, if they do that for Ahsoka, who makes the grid besides Rosario? Like, how, how many popular characters do they keep hidden? You know what I mean? Do, do they put, or do they just, again, like Kenobi, just put the faces there and don't tell us who they're playing? Like, you know, Rupert Friend was on that grid. None of us had any fucking clue he'd yeah. be playing the Grand Inquisitor. O'Shea Jackson was on that grid, and we most of us do. still don't know who he's playing. <laughs> yeah, he's still. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, I guess I hope they do something like that for uh, Ahsoka. Yeah, it's you know, they, they didn't do it for Book of Boba, not that we really needed it because we knew the core cast that was going to be there from yeah. the Mandalorian. But I, I would kind of like to see that grid and it would be interesting who makes it because uh, we know if some of the names get on there, like Ivana Iv- 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 Sakno or uh, Natasha Lou Bordizzo. Winstead. Yeah, Winstead. Then we can be like, all right, well, yeah, she's definitely yeah. playing such and such and such and such. It's just sometimes it's interesting to think about what cards do they want to keep close to the chest and what ones will they, you know, yeah. kind of dangle a bit more to generate excitement. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, there's get, a good question from English, James English in here. Will we see Kane and her Harris son? Kanan, again, dead. Um, maybe see him in flashbacks or force visions or something like that. Um, the the interesting one is the son, though, because he's at this point, you know, he was what? How old was he in the epilogue? Did we know? Well, Did they say that he he looked beyond toddler. So, yeah, I he mean, was he's probably like he's probably like six, seven max, I'd so, say. So maybe he's what? Like you would say early 20s late teens maybe no yeah early te- like like a like just starting high school maybe 13 14 because if we go 14 because we're we're essentially going what 14 years out from when rebels ended if it ended zero bby well, or, or we could just or we just work off of the mando timeline and six to seven after jedi so yeah i mean around ballpark in there yeah so um, yeah, I mean, I guess that would, if he was, yeah, that would probably put him like mid, mid-teens. mid Yeah. He could have a spot, but then you would, I mean, and I also think that 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 um, Hera is in play too. Like, Hera, we'll likely see Hera in this. Well, I, I think, didn't didn't we kick the tires on Mary Elizabeth Her- Winstead, potentially? Play, yeah, playing Hera. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if, if Hera's involved and the kid's involved, the only thing that I see being like a hurdle... Is Kanan, and then well, that's fine. I mean, he's yeah. he's dead. We, it's we yeah. don't we don't have to worry about that. That was established in Rebels. So yeah, I just don't know if they would want to do like how many Force people can be talking to Ahsoka at one time. Yeah, I you know see that's where. It, and here's the other thing: if you think about the epilogue, it it was made very clear that Ahsoka and Sabine were the ones on Going the hunt for yeah. Ezra. Where Hera was very much involved in the new reform formation of the new republic so to me if if there's no Hera or Hera's kid in ahsoka that's completely acceptable it makes sense 
because that that wasn't Hera's focus. Hera is a part of the New Republic. Ahsoka was not. Yeah. Uh, Sabine, we don't really know, but we we know through uh, what that video game, Nick, and uh, other canon material that Hera goes on. She becomes a general and is a big player in the New Republic Navy. So. I don't see her having the flexibility to be out and about gallivanting across the galaxy trying to look for Ezra and or Thrawn. Now, that doesn't mean that she's still not in connection with Ahsoka, uh, but I, I don't... Hera, to me, was never a, a major player in this Ahsoka story because of how the epilogue ends. Hera's on, her, on the ghost with her son... Sabine and Ahsoka meet up somewhere to head off literally to go look for Ezra. Yeah. I mean, if anything, um, she'll be like a, I don't want to say not like a cameo, but like a one episode, like special guest or something like that. Yeah. Like, like, a, like you know, checking in with the New Republic or yeah. Ahsoka. Hey, I fucking found Thrawn. He's tearing up planets to rebuild the, the Armada. I mean, that, that's the other thing we have to go on, Nick. Yeah. They they make it seem like Thrawn is back and actively engaged in the remnant. Yeah, because she tell doesn't she tell Mando like, listen, they're on Corvus and Morgan, Morgan's here just to call the planet of its resources for Thrawn's armada. Yeah, so it it, it they make it sound already like Thrawn is back in universe, established in being a boss. So yeah. I mean, he he uh, is essentially like. The way that they're positioning it, positioning it is that he would be filling the role of like the, the, you know, the, the new grand master of the, the, the Imperial remnant. The only thing that's really going to be interesting is to see how and if they work in a connection between him and Gideon. And if, if, right. if Gideon sees him as a, as a friend or a foe. Because from what yeah, we well, yeah, gather, like they, they were all competitive. All these yeah. assholes after Operation Cinder, all yeah. the moths and, and like Nick saying the admirals, they all won their own piece. Mm-hmm. So it could, it could go either way where like Gideon is actually trying to get thrown out of the picture, too, because he wants to consolidate power under himself. I mean, obviously now he's in, you know, in custody with the Mandalorians or he could be actively working with Thrawn to rebuild some right form of the empire. That's Again, be, Nick, yeah. all this in the background could all be Palp's zombie corpse controlling yeah, everything. It's, it's right? true. I mean, that's what we have to account for. Thanks to Tross. Palpatine has returned. So you got, you can't forget that. I mean, yeah. you, we literally can't assume that these people were doing all this on their own. It, we, we now have to assume that, Palpatine through his acolytes and various clone forms and puppets and Snokes was ultimately the one pulling the strings behind the scenes to allow the first order machinations to, yeah. um, I mean, build up. I and mean, I, I told all of you through the Vader comic, Palpatine already, already has Exegol up and running with f- ships and, and planet busting lasers being built right after empire strikes back. So they're, they're really trying to ram that shit in the cannon now to explain Palpatine's return in yeah. Tross. Yeah. It's going to be really yeah. interesting to see how deep they get into that in, in these upcoming series. 
Because they could they could leave it sit for a little while still. They could be yeah. like, all right, we'll we'll touch this when we get a little bit further it's, down the I, I think, down line. I think they'll reserve most of that for the Mandalorian because that's where we've gotten the the little thread so far with the you know Doctor Pershing and wanting the child's yeah. blood and and that facility on Navarro that had some shady looking Snoke like shit in tubes. Um, but uh, yeah, back to Harris kid. The other thing, it's like. I, and this is me, just based on what I've seen so far, I think at this stage in her life, Ahsoka is fairly averse to training force sensitives. I mean, we saw how she reacted to Grogu. She's like, fuck no. He's got a connection, no way. Uh, You could argue with uh, Hera's kid, she can make the same argument. Fuck no. He's got an attachment to his mom. He's already, you know, old enough. I, I feel like Ahsoka wants no hand in any sort of force sensitive training due to the trauma of Anakin's fall. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think she maintains that. I mean, you, you could argue even if she finds Ezra, he was pretty much there. Uh, he was doing more Jedi Knight like stuff by season four rebels than, than Luke really did <laughs> all the way through the original trilogy. I mean, Luke has two major fucking wins. I'll give you that. I mean, he, He blew up the first Death Star and he helped to take down the Emperor. Uh, But Ezra, if you think about it, what he was doing, at least with his uh, force capabilities and, you know, getting in touch with the Loth Wolves and all that spiritual shit on Lothal and the way he was leading rebel cells already as a commander. I mean, he he was pretty Jedi knighted up by the time he left. I mean, his choice to sacrifice himself for his friends was pretty fucking Jedi knight like in my opinion. So I I don't really think if Ezra, it shows up in the Ahsoka series that it's a, Oh, now I can train him. I think it's like, thank God my, my homie's back. We have another ally in the force. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that it's going to be a training thing. Yeah. At this point, I don't know if she would look at him necessarily as a peer, but she would look at him as a fully trained Jedi at that point. Um, Somebody again mentioned like Ahsoka might train Grogu now. Devin said that almost for sure not going to do that. No, I I think, um, I think the choice truly was Grogu's to return to Din. And now, as Robert explained in the great book, uh, behind the scenes book of Boba, like, listen, Grogu did learn a lot. That's why he no longer has to close his eyes when he's doing the big force moves and he doesn't pass out after using the force. So you are going to get a, a more advanced version of Grogu, but I'm pretty sure he is a, he is a Mandalorian foundling moving forward yeah. with Jedi abilities. He's, he's the second coming of Tar Vizsla just, Tiny Without the and, Jedi Order behind and him. a Yoda and a Yoda thing, <laughs> so yeah. and not a, a pure Mando. But in the Mandalorian culture, he technically will eventually become full Mandalore uh, if he jams a helmet on his head, or if he can get a pass from the armorer to not wear a helmet because his head isn't necessarily suited for one, thanks to his big ass ears. Um, one other question I want to address. We got some concerns about the time travel motif being in Ahsoka. Uh, it's, it's the world between worlds is incorporated into the logo. So I don't think anyone should be surprised that it may be used, but I also, this is another thing where I wouldn't start canceling Ahsoka because there may be time travel. I think the world between worlds was used somewhat intelligently in rebels to explain how Ahsoka survived 
the the destruction of that temple on was it was that on Malachor? Do you yeah, remember Malachor that Sith five. temple. Yeah. Um, because it it you know it, it in that actual episode we we saw her stumble out and it looked like she got away. We just didn't know how she got away from the duel. The world between worlds showed us that oh, it was Ezra. Yeah. That, so did Ezra technically change the timeline? I don't know. I, I kind of like how they did it. It was it was self-contained. Like yes. it didn't it didn't touch it only touched things that happened within that series. Like he never went out and like fucking tried to pull Anakin through the world between worlds to stop him from becoming Vader. Like it was a very small use of it and it was only within the context of the rebel story. Yeah. Cause he didn't know if she died or not. So it's not yeah. like he was like, I need to go back in time to revive Ahsoka. He was just for my memory. Cause I, it, it's probably been over a year since I saw the episode. It, he gets in there because of, you know, the empire finds the portals on Lothal. He, he gets sucked in and it's almost like he sees it that moment through the window. And he's like, Oh fuck, I can do something here. Grabs her real quickly. Uh, Palpatine starts shooting blue force fire through the worlds. They're running. He throws her right back into the same time portal after the the fall of the temple. And that's how she got away. It got away. Listen to me. (laughs) That's how she got away. And I I think if it's used in live action, hopefully it's to mirror what Ezra did for her. Now we'll see Ahsoka do it for him where she goes back in that time period snags him from the bridge of that uh, of uh the chimera and keeps him from going out in the deep space with thrawn or maybe it's another use of it to to kind of save him but i think nick nick's right it's almost like it's a it's a self-contained time loop that doesn't quite create the butterfly effect that we associate with fucking with shit in the past i don't know i mean it's not a (laughs) Let's just say it's the same thing I started with Kenobi. I'm not going to sit here and get all nervous about time travel in Ahsoka. I'm just going to trust that the people are going to use it wisely. It's not going to be used a lot. And it's going to mirror, as Star Wars is known to do, a moment from past Star Wars. I mean, it also may be like, maybe that is a primary storyline of season one is like, Ahsoka, I don't think, like, she doesn't know how to access the world between worlds. Like, that was something that really only, like, Ezra, like, figured out how to use. So, like, and it's not like she can just go to a spot and be like, okay, but here's the code, world between worlds. I got to go back to 1985. Let's go back. All right, let's go do. Like, she has to, like, there has to be a lot of of knowledge that is gained by her in order to access it just to, to use it. And I would imagine that a lot, if, if that is going to be a primary storyline is like, that's how we get Ezra back is from her doing for him, what she did for her. Then a, a large majority of season one may just be le- her learning how to access it. That's period. A, that's a good point. That's a good point. Cause I, 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 I'm muddy here. So don't yell at me live streamers. Um, but it, it seems like, the the world between worlds or the portal they found on Lothal, I believe, gets destroyed. Because uh, if it doesn't, Palpatine was going to use it for some shady shit. Uh, but yeah, so maybe uh, you know, Ahsoka has to find another access point to it because that's the only thing she knows. She's been looking for seven years. Her and Sabine, they can't find them. No one's heard anything about them. But somehow Thrawn's around. That that's the thing. I I just can't wrap my head around it. Thrawn is established back and doing bad shit. 
what does that mean for Ezra? I, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe Ezra was already back, and Ahsoka season one is gonna. It's almost gonna be a bit of a prequel to the Ahsoka moments we saw in the Mandalorian. Who knows? Who yeah, the fuck could knows? It's it's it, it's tough here because I think we're all married to the idea that with Thrawn you have to have Ezra, and I I don't think that's a bad uh, want that yeah. we're that we're looking for here. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of like that where some of the adventure is just seeking out how to tap into it again, because she's, she's kind of like on her last, uh, last ditch effort. Mm-hmm. She's tried everything else. So yeah. now you got to get into some of the, the, the magic-y sciencey stuff of mean, Star Wars. If you want to draw another parallel between Ezra's use and Ahsoka's use, I mean, it's the same, it's, it's just essentially the same thing. If Thrawn is back. Then she knows like, okay, well, what happened to Ezra? Is he dead? Is he alive? I have no idea. That's the same exact thing that Ezra was doing when he went back through the world yeah. between worlds yep. from Malachi. He's like, exactly. I don't know what happened to her. Like, I don't know if she's dead or alive. So like, it's the exact same thing where she's like, it, I know that Thrawn is back so that I, I know something happened to him, but I don't know what happened to him. I can't find him. I've been out there for seven years. This is the only way that I can figure out what happened to him is through this thing. And then she, that's her fucking plan is to go find a portal or yeah, it, see if she can open a portal. Something it like it also seemed like at least the way Palpatine wanted to use it, like you could almost portal into other parts of the galaxy. It's almost like it was like a wormhole, uh, like a, a wormhole system too. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe that's how they use it and they don't really even mess with time. She just uses it to, to jump to a whole other part of the galaxy, the unknown regions. Maybe Ezra's still stuck there and somehow Thrawn trapped him. Um, I don't know. It's, it's all interesting. I, I mean, I, I have high hopes for the Ahsoka series. Remember, I'm, I, I like all Star Wars, so I'm, I'm going to be positive at least till I get it. And I have a feeling I'm, I'm going to like it even when I do get it. Because, uh, I, yes, I did like the Book of Boba Fett, and I liked The Mandalorian, I liked Star Wars Resistance, all the fun stuff. But Ahsoka, to me, because of its ties to some of the best Star Wars content from the animated wing, which is TCW and obviously Rebels, I, I'm very interested in the lore that it gives us. Because I, I love that character, I love the Rebels character. And I just, I don't know. I want to see where, where the, the adventure goes. What happened after Rebels? Because I, I do think that series was kind of ended prematurely. It ended perfectly. It was a, it was a fantastic end, a true end. Um, I, I just want to know more. Yeah. I want to know more. What, what Ahsoka was into, Ezra, Thrawn, Sabine, all of them. So I guess we'll see if Matt Law or Matthew Law is indeed Ezra, but apparently he has been rumored to be cast in a big role in the series. Okay, so moving into today's Vanity Fair dump. Uh, I, I still recommend, if you don't mind words and shit, checking out the full article. It's it's pretty good write-up from a guy I wish I was that with his name, Anthony Bresnikin. He gets all these exclusives uh, anytime Star Wars big shit comes out. Uh, but it's it's a nice long form piece on the state of the Star Wars live action universe and and kind of where it's going, what fans should expect, and just how it has kind of become the main thing at Lucasfilm. Uh, so we're gonna get updates on almost all of these series. We're gonna get updates on the films that I know Nick is interested in, but I hate to tell you, my friend, I don't want to spoil it. 
it's not looking good for the film wing of Star Wars, but we will we will get there. So first up from the article that I think fans want to know about is the fact that and you got this from us, but it's always good to get official confirmation. Mando season three is definitely confirmed for late 2022, early 23. So I, I am anticipating a Book of Boba Fett type of release. End of December bleeds into the new year type of thing for Mando season three. Uh, and, and we also got an update on the Ahsoka series. One of it was kind of fun. It was a, <laughs> an anecdote from Rosario on how she got uh, yelled oh, at for... <laughs> for kind of getting caught up in that rumor report that came out that Hayden was in Ahsoka. I think we all remember the the tweet. She, she said, I just posted Sky Guy. They know. See you soon, Snips. And then she said, I looked in my email and Star Wars. I like how she just calls it Star Wars. Like it's yeah. this entity out there that, yeah. that fucks people up when they, the when they Star you know, Wars. They came go against them. their NDA. So the Star Wars was like, you might want to take that down. I'm like, yeah. man, I can't be trusted. So I, honestly, that, I that it would be fun. hard if you were cast in something like that, especially her, who is always like, she's very just active on like social. Oh media yeah, she's and stuff a big like social media presence for sure. So, yeah, so I, I mean, yeah, th- she was like, those well, people want to vomit up every detail. Why can't I but, say anything? Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, that, a lot of these actors talked about it in this write up. I mean, Diego Luna was like, hey, I've, I've been sitting on Andor shit for three years and I still can't talk about most of it to my family, friends or anything. So uh, but hey, you know, let, let's get the tiny violins out. Oh, you poor thing. You're in a fucking <laughs> Star Wars property and you can't tell your family and friends. Wah! We're in our fucking basements talking about Star Wars. Let's talk about true adversity. Um, she also told a tale, I guess, uh, one of her friends had a son who was big in the star Wars in particular clone wars. So the first time she got in the makeup, she FaceTimed the friend and said, Hey, put, put schmo on. And I guess the kid, as soon as he saw her freaked out, was like, ah, and threw the phone away and was like <laughs> scared of it was not prepared. And apparently Rosario's friend said, oh, he's all right now. He He's ready. He wants to see it again. And Rosario's like, hey, tough shit. I'm not in the makeup now. Yeah. It's like, you think I'm going to sit down in that yeah. fucking chair again? Te- teach long? him a lesson. It's something like teach him a lesson to live in the moment or, or capture the moment. So I, I like that too. But uh, at least from the, uh, the maker too, or maker junior, Dave Filoni, here's what he had to say about Ahsoka's story. And I, I think we all kind of assume this, but again, it's always great getting official word from those in the know. Um, But Dave kind of commented on, will Ahsoka be serialized or more of a continuous story? And here's what he had to say. It is definitely driving toward a goal, in my mind, as opposed to being little singular adventures. That's what I want the character to be doing, and I think that's what fans want now. They have such a relationship with her. I've only recently started to understand that all those kids that watch Clone Wars are now a lot older. They're very excited about all the things they grew up with as they should be. How do you like that little that little narcissism touch at the end? <laughs> yeah, you better fucking like my Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, you little shit. You know, it was excellent content. <laughs> there's a theme coming from people who worked in Star Wars, and the theme is they forget that people age. Like, yeah, it, it is. It is funny. But like, hey, we, we all got caught up in our we, we all got caught up in our own lives. And yeah. we can't expect the Ewans and Haydens of the world to be sitting there like, oh, man, it's been 15 years. I bet 
you know, Mike, Mike Schlicky is now 20 and he would have been five when he saw it. I, I bet he, he, he still likes it. And maybe we should talk to him and make maybe, us feel better about ourselves. Maybe we should make content towards the, the age group of the people that saw the movies when they came out. Right. <laughs> like, so, and the other thing, Nick, I, I don't know if you picked up on this, but. I think because of the success of the TV shows and, and we will talk about this more in the, the film news that we have. Yeah. But it does seem like they are shifting to more continuous long form storytelling versus the serial versus like a trilogy where, yeah, you get a movie, but then time skips and now we're on a new story. Time skips. Now we're on a new story. It does seem that the, the mentality over at Lucasfilm is no, let's, Let's long form this shit out. Yeah. You know, let, let, let's, let's seasons this stuff out. Let's let it marinate. You know, sure, every episode may have its own little hijinks, but overall, like The Mandalorian, it's still working towards an, an, an ultimate goal. Yeah, I think uh, that, like, with content like this, especially, it's, it's more rewarding as a writer to write, like, long-form continuous story, too, because... The, the universe itself is so large and the characters are persistent throughout it. So it's easier to say like, instead of me writing one episode about Ahsoka having a conversation with Anakin through the force and then having one episode about, you know, Ahsoka meeting up with Hera and then pulling off some hijinks, like having a long form story that you can tell through a $5 a month subscription service Instead of having to write an like you know a two hour plus movie that releases once every two years, that's definitely like a a more preferable format for somebody like Filoni who does like to well, have. I, I mean, dude, look look where he came from. I mean, you got to think about Clone Wars and even Rebels for that part. There weren't a lot of arcs. I mean, the, the Clone Wars. Every once in a while, you'd get one, two, three episode arcs that would tell a full tale. But then next week, you could be with new characters on a different planet, whole different situation. Yeah. So you know, while the Clone Wars was ultimately working towards up to Revenge of the Sith, that's that's its goal was to get there. Yeah. Outside of that, they, they could tell a twenty minute story one week. Uh, a 60 minute story over the next three weeks. So Dave, you know, was, was kind of coming from that more serialized delivery. So I think you're right. Someone like him, now he can just sit down and pen that shit out. Yeah. I also think, you know, tell a story over a full season. I think that's why they're not as concerned with movies now anymore either. One movies are more expensive to make and are more reliant on, uh, basically a a one week box office than something like this will. And two, like you have to look at it from the perspective of like the creators. It's like, what would you rather, would you rather have a three, a three movie deal where you can, you can essentially tell, you know, eight hours a story, or would you rather have a a TV show where you can have, eight hours of story in one season. And then if it does well, we'll give you three more seasons or we'll give you five more seasons until people stop watching it. I think it's just more attractive for creators now to have the ability to, to have persistent storylines that are told through long form television than it is to have like, you have three movies and if they don't do well on week one, then you're screwed. (laughs) Yeah. It is always interesting. I I, I think we've talked about this before, but 
on the streaming side, Nick, what, what, what do you think their metrics are for a Star Wars show doing well? Uh, I think for Mando season one, it probably was new subs because was that was a launch show for Disney Plus itself. But now that Disney Plus has been out for three years, it's, what, what it's, do you think they measure it now? What, what is it? Is it viewers? It's it's new viewers over a certain period of time. So it's probably similar. Like how many people watched it within the first week will be how they determine whether something is successful or not or uh, resub rate. So like a lot of the people who are even in our chat are like, oh, yeah, well, I sub to Disney Plus for Star Wars stuff and then it was stops. I unsub. And then when it comes back, I resub. So right, yeah. they'll look at resub rate. They'll look at the the number of people watching over uh, an X period of time. And then they'll, they'll look for completion rate too. So like once the, once the series is finished, they'll have a completion rate of how many people started it versus how many people finished it in X amount of time. So that's, that's what they're yeah, using. Like for c- their- concurrent streams, this, that, or the other thing. It's just, I don't know. I'm sure they probably also take social media buzz into account, sadly, you know, hashtags or the general reception of things on social media. I think that they're starting to, they're probably starting to lean away from that, honestly, because they know that social media is just now it's just a cesspool of of nonsense for for Star Wars stuff. I guess for a series like Book of Boba Fett, which did well based on the numbers, like some of the number metrics you even talked about. Do they like, is there a decision on let's do a season two or do they, do they maybe look at some of the reaction at that point? It depends just, on I, like, I feel like with book or with any of these series, they have an idea when they create the first season, if they want a second season at all. Um, I'm not sure what the plan was with book. It seems like they never really were angling at a second season because they were treating this just as an extension of the Mando verse. But if they called it the third season of storytelling, by the way, that that's what the book of Boba (laughs) Fett was described as by John and Dave. Yeah. So, but on it, like, for example, like if they, if, if they were like, all right, Ahsoka could have a second season depending on metrics and reception then I think that they would like, if the metrics are good, I don't think they care as much about the reception on social media or shit like that. Yeah. If the metrics are tepid and the, the social media reception is tepid, then they're probably going to get a stop on it. Um, which is why Kathleen Kennedy said what she said about solo where she said, Oh, with solo, we learned that we shouldn't recast classic characters, which I think is a misread. Do you um, feel okay? Good. I, I yeah. I I'm glad you picked up on that because she does lay that down in this Vanity Fair article. I'm like, you know, that, that's kind of a a shitty thing to do to Alden and them. I I I think she's still kind of blind to the fact that the whole solo thing a was backlash to TLJ, but b they fucked its schedule. I mean, it was rushed. They the uh, Iger refused to move its release date from May to December. And she's like you said, essentially pinned it all on Alden Aaron, right? And I'm like, dude, that, yeah. I that's mean, a fucking low blow. It's it, it it is like that's a misread. But if you also like, if you are looking at those metrics, like if you were looking at the the only metrics that you can track, you look at critical reception, tepid, you know, sevens, seven point fives. Um, you look at box office low, low, much lower than expected. And you look at social media reception, people were shitting on it constantly. 
Like there were yeah. like there were people like us and there were other outlets out there that actually saw the fun and they and they, you know, appropriately rated that. But like based off of all three of those metrics that they have to go off of, like why like why wouldn't you say like, yeah, it's probably a, a an L like we we, we, we probably uh, it, won't. I, I get that. I just thought it was funny that she chalked up the L to a casting choice. Yeah, to, to like, a casting. Nah. There was a lot more outside factors than Alden. I, I truly think it was it was just too close to that fucking tire fire that was caused. I'm not going to call TLJ a tire fire itself, but it caused a tire fire among the fandom. There's no doubt about it. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, hey, that's a little, little heavy-handed there, Miss Kennedy. Uh, you, you might want to throw your, your former boss under the bus, too, the way he kind of handled its scheduling and with all the fuck ups and director changes, he would not budge on that yeah. May release date. But and, and like, oh well. you could see that they, they pinpointed what they thought, what they thought was the highlight of it. And then that was Donald, which is why they essentially announced slash gave him his own series right. uh, with Lando. So, well, I mean, we'll see what so she, off of so that. she essentially contradicts herself. She's like, Oh, it's all right to recast Billy D, but how dare we recast Harrison Ford? It's like, well, pick what's your reasoning Kathy what do you want to tell us on why Solo failed let's just be real it failed because the fandom was giving you a double bird over the TLJ plain and simple uh oh well yeah it's it's interesting like you know I I, I feel like Ahsoka they probably have greenlit multiple seasons or whatever Dave asked for it's just like a, but there, it is a business, so you, you do have to take these things into account. So, because yeah. if you look at Netflix, the way they cancel and pick shit up makes no sense to me. Like, well, that's why Netflix they, is fucking bombing. They could have a killer series that people are buzzing about, and then they'll be like, oh, it's canceled after one season. Fuck you. <laughs> it's like, yeah. why? Okay. Well, we just did it. Fuck you. We yeah. didn't like it. Um, all right. So there we go on um, Ahsoka. I, we're, we're going for cohesion. We think there's going to be some time travel just based on the the logo, the kind of the what they've lurked in. Jeez, oh, come on, COVID brain. <laughs> what they worked into the logo. Um, but yeah, who who the hell knows? Uh, Ahsoka is essentially going to become our Obi Wan Kenobi once Kenobi's over because it, it's going to be the series where we'll eventually, as Nick said last week, we'll start getting set leaks, more rumors will start popping up about plot, and by the, this time next year, we'll probably be getting ready to watch it in a few weeks yeah uh, I, I really think ahsoka is probably going to be the the spring show of 2023 because uh, it, it i mean it's following kenobi's path because kenobi yeah. i believe just started production this time last year as well yeah okay uh we also got some updates on the acolyte and and there was some clarity that we have not had before so uh first and foremost a lot of these come from the showrunner leslie headland who uh, also created Russian Dolls. Uh, but it does not sound like the Acolyte will star Natasha Lyonne, who <laughs> is the star of Cockroach uh, from uh, Russian Dolls. But here's what uh, we have on the Acolyte, at least some of the new updates here. And I'm, I'm definitely really getting interested in this series here, Nick. Hopefully it doesn't get whacked, as has been known to happen to... Uh, announced Star Wars projects. Uh, but according to Headland, she has finished writing 
Uh, it's moved into its casting phase, which kind of lines up with the rumor report we had two weeks ago that it, it's looking the to start kids. filming this fall. Um, but here's an er- interesting part, and this is new. Uh, she is describing the era that this is going to be set in. First and foremost, it's not 50 years. It's 100 years prior to the start of the Skywalker saga, a.k.a. the Phantom Menace. And she is describing it as a whole new age. I guess on set or in the writing, or I guess in the writing room or whoever she's bouncing ideas off of, they they kind of describe this time period as a renaissance or the age of enlightenment for the Republic, in particular the Jedi. Um, she here's here's what she says. We actually use the term the Renaissance or the Age of Enlightenment. The Jedi uniforms are gold and white, and it's almost like they would never get dirty. They would never be out and about. The idea is that they could have these types of uniforms because that's how little they're getting into skirmishes. So it sounds, Nick, that she's essentially going to show us <laughs> because the galaxy was settled at this point and the, and the Jedi were at the height of their power, even much more than the High Republic, because the High Republic, you know, they're, they're, they were kind of the cowboys helping to settle the Outer Rim and, and living a little more fast and loose than we've known Jedi to be, at least Galactic Era Jedi, yeah. Republic Era Jedi. But it sounds like the Acolyte is going to show us how this Age of Enlightenment led to the hubris of the Council that we do ultimately meet in The Phantom Menace that under their nose allowed a Sith Lord to infiltrate the Senate, the Jedi Order through Anakin, and ultimately take over the whole goddamn galaxy on their watch. And that's kind of going to be the the impetus for the acolyte story. Uh, she goes on to say like, like, listen, a lot of those characters, meaning the Skywalker saga characters haven't even been born yet. We're taking a look at the political and personal and spiritual things that came up in a time period that we don't know much about. My question when watching the Phantom Menace was always like, well, how did things get to this point? How did we get to a point where a Sith Lord can infiltrate the Senate and none of the Jedi pick up on it? Like, what went wrong? What are the scenarios that led us to this moment? And I, I kind of dig where she's coming from. It sounds like she is going to show us how the Jedi got so goddamn arrogant and pompous that they're essentially lords and ladies in their high castle, never having to get mixed up in galactic politics again because everything was great, which allows the darkness to rise again. Yeah, I mean, a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, what what you see between the Acolyte and then what eventually happens in the, uh, the prequel trilogy really mirrors the French Renaissance into the French revolution, because that's essentially what happened there. Like the French Renaissance, you get an incredible amount of aristocracy that builds up like all this wealth and, and, and favor. And like, they, they seem untouchable. And then French revolution happens. And granted, like that was a revolution by the people against the aristocracy, but it's similar to where like, they just became complacent with what was happening yeah. during the Renaissance period and they didn't pay attention to the outcry of the people. And like, this is what happened with the Jedi. Like they got complacent during the age of enlightenment. If that's what it's like real name is going to be. 
that they didn't even keep an eye out for like potential dark side presence that could infiltrate. Right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. they're, they're, like I said, they're sitting up there in their meeting room, uh, probably regaling about, uh, their, their time during the high Republic. Oh, you remember when I was out there on Tatooine and took out a band of raiders. It was a good fight. I am glorious. <laughs> and they just kind of sit there and Yoda's rolling his eyes like, man, I've been around so many, so many different ages. Like, please, someone kill me now. <laughs> like, you got to think, you almost have to, again, blame Yoda for everything. I mean, th- th- this motherfucker has lived through almost all of it. He-, he saw the good times. He saw the Wild West times and he oversaw the fall of time. <laughs> so uh, a lot of shady shit goes down on Yoda's watch and. I kind of want to see his little pampered ass because he, yeah. he's involved at this point. You know, this guy telling everyone else how they got to train or who can be trained or what age they can be trained. He's one of them sitting on the council during the age of enlightenment in his gold and white robes, not getting dirty because all is well. We are the best. There is no bad in the galaxy anymore. The, who would ever want to challenge us Jedi gods? Yeah. And that's kind of sounds like where they're going to be at. And it makes sense because as she said while watching TPM and as we all live through it, we had some of the most powerful Jedi of all time in charge and they let one guy, one guy undermine them, their order, and the entire galactic order. One guy. I mean, yeah, okay, he used Darth Maul, <laughs> Pawn, Count Dooku, Pawn, Darth Vader, Pawn. It was all Sidious Palpatine. Yeah, I one mean, guy. The, the Jedi were so used to, like, the way that Sith used to function. And again, like, this, this hasn't necessarily been, like, reestablished in the canon yet. And I'm sure it will be eventually either through like novels or something else. But like Sith always just came out and they were like, all right, we've rebuilt our number. Let's go to war, like war, war. We're going to fight you on a battlefield. Um, And they were never used to like political machinations and like, you know, what Palpatine did to to gain power. Like they were always used to like, we're going to go out on the field. We're going to swing our lightsabers at each other. And then. Just, they were, yeah. They were like the Vikings of of uh, force users. They yeah. were they were berserkers. I mean, they they were just bred and built to murder and kill and win. Where Nick's right, and correct me if I'm wrong, because this is your area. But Bane is the one that decided to bring some sort of order to long, the dark side game. chaos. Yeah, long. He's game. like, listen, we're we're such animals that we can't we can't exist in numbers. We just can't do it. We've proven it. If we have numbers, we lose. So the rule of two has to happen. So we quit fucking ourselves before we even get started. And it seems like uh, with the rule of two, and as you said, who knows, in new canon, they just decided for millennia to just fucking chill out and almost let the galaxy forget that they even existed. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, that's basically just how Just kind of lay yeah. low, even through the High Republic era, because the bad guys in the High Republic era are those what the fuck are they called? The nihilists, right? Uh, yeah, the, that's the, what the I was going to say. Nihilists in, in those, the, the, the tree people or the plant people. Yeah, the Fernier, the Finn fin something. Fin, fin, something like whatever. that. But you, yeah, you know I what mean, I'm like, talking about. That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, essentially, their two main antagonists during the High Republic period of time were a band of raiders who have very minimal force power 
in some and, fucking trees and fungus. And sen- yeah, <laughs> sentient shrubbery. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, is that alive is, trees that can eat people and, and like channel their force powers? Yeah. But I mean, the trees did talk about the dark order, but again, it's made to seem like it was snuffed out. So it, it's almost like the acolyte is going to be the first resurgence of the dark side into the galaxy not that it ever fully went away but there it, it those that dabble in the dark it seems like they're they're gonna get to a point where they're feeling a little bit more comfortable to be open about it because the jedi are getting fat happy and drunk in their temple exactly so all right i, 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 like I do it. like that angle yeah i like it and and I'm fine that this is probably going to be female cast heavy. I think that'll be an interesting perspective to be brought through the dark side lens. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure it would also lead to a lot of people again hedging their oh it's going to be terrible blah blah blah. But I have I have hope for the acolyte. I, I kind of liked like I said getting these um, getting a little bit of clarity from Miss Headland here. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Sticking with shows that start with A, we finally got an update on Andor, the oh series gosh, that this, seems this to be dead is, before it even released. I was say, the show exists? I thought that everybody forgot about it, it right? It's, it's insane, but the, it, they did get featured, and I think one point to uh, make about Andor is it, it seems now that Mon Mothma is going to be a pretty prominent character. I mean, she is the only other character featured in the Vanity Fair photo shoot, which means... Genevieve O'Reilly's Mothma is probably going to be a a series lead, if not a prominent character. In fact, I think it was described like, you know, her and her and Cassian ultimately hit it off to where she become he becomes a very valuable asset to her and the rebellion, which we obviously know to be true thanks to Rogue One. Yep. Uh, but we we did get looks at him, you know, Mothma looking good in her regal white, uh, Dio, Diego looking a little Cassian like a little shaggier yeah. hair than than Rogue One and not the same flight jacket. I was but, gonna you know, say he, he, I wonder why they didn't do a little de-aging on him because he actually looks more haggard now and older than he did in the movie. Yeah, well I guess some of his quotes may help explain that, Nick, but you're you're not too far off. So um like I said, we, we haven't learned shit about Andor outside the fact yeah. that Diego's in it, and and we knew that uh, Genevieve was going to be in it too. Uh, I think uh, what's his name, uh, Jimmy Smith, fuck. one of the Scars guards let mm. loose that like um, uh, Forrest Whitaker's in it too. But in terms of official, it's just tracks. Mothma and Andor. But um, here he goes. So um, Diego kind of describes the the story of Andor, and I and I dig this too, and it makes complete sense if you think about the the uh, state of the galaxy at the time we're going to run into Andor. But he says it's the journey of a migrant. That feeling of having to move is behind the that feeling of having to move is behind this story, very profoundly and very strong. That shapes you as a person. It defines you in many ways and what you're willing to do. So what he's talking about is that early on, we are going to see the destruction of Cassian's homeworld. I believe it's called Fest, which is going to cause him to become a refugee, a migrant, an immigrant that is going throughout the galaxy trying to find a home that the Empire has not destroyed yet. Um so Tony Gilroy, Nick's favorite Star Wars creative, 
uh, also chimed in about Andor and and kind of why he likes the character and what drew him to the series. So in speaking about Andor, Gilroy says, this guy gave his life for the galaxy, right? I mean, he consciously, soberly, without vanity or recognition, sacrificed himself. Who the fuck talks like that, by the way? That's what I was going to say. Tony Gilroy is a guy that really, he's like, he's like, he's the guy who like farts in a room and just really just takes it in. Just really yeah, I likes mean, my his God, own stuff. He, he likes hearing himself. There's no yeah. doubt about it. I'm not going to say, I mean, it's a, it's a good use of English, but come on. Uh, and then he goes, who does that? That's what this first season is about. It's about him being really revolution averse. That's something very interesting to think about for Andor based on how we knew him in Rogue One. Yeah. He's saying we're going to meet a Cassian that wants nothing to do with rebellion. He He's just trying to fucking stay alive Make make a home for himself on whatever random planet he ends up on after the Empire destroys his childhood home. So um, uh, it's about him being revolution averse and cynical and lost, kind of a mess. His adopted home will become the base of our whole first season, and we watch that place become radicalized. So I think what he's saying here is wherever Cassian ends up, that planet is going to be a hotbed for the rebellion. Well, I think he says... I'm interested to see what when it's when he says radicalized, which direction he means because he says then we see another planet that's completely taken apart in a colonial kind of way. The empire is expanding rapidly; they're wiping out anybody who's in their way. So, like, I wonder if if they mean like because this could go two ways. A place that becomes radicalized could be like the empire moves in, and then you could go you could go either like the people like super like jump into it and like they become radicalized imperial citizens or the other way. Yeah. See, I I think it is going to be the other way, Nick, because it it does sound like if he's revolution averse and cynical, he's going to end up on this adopted home world that in my opinion is going to be kind of a, a birthplace or a, or the home of one of the bigger rebel cells, maybe even Mon Mothma's cell itself. And by radicalized, it could be, all right, it's time to shit or get off the pot. Look at, look at what the Empire is doing to this place now. Look what they're doing to this other planet, and they're you know colonizing it and stealing its resources. Now it's time to start hitting back. Because it's not until Star Wars Rebels that the, rebel, the, the various rebel cells, they're still just cells. There is no alliance yet. Yeah. The alliance forms in, in rebels, essentially, after Saul Guerrero is, is labeled as a, almost like a terrorist. The other cells kind of band together. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I get your point. It could go either way, but I'm, I'm leaning towards wherever he ends up. And he's all down and depressed and cynical. It's probably going to be a, a hotbed for rebellion. And he's, this is where he runs into Mothma and the others. And, and this is where they finally get radicalized to start doing more intense uh, pushback to the Empire's advance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was really it on, on Ander. I mean, it, it just, it, it still didn't Saying give how you how little much. they give you on this show. Like, I don't know... And it's weird too, because like you feel like you would imagine that they feel pretty confident about this one. Like Rogue One is the, I will say the only universally liked movie that they've put out yet. 
Yeah. And like, it seems Agreed. like this is the one that they're the most tepid about. And I don't know if it's because Tony Gilroy's behind it and they know that he's, <laughs> he's got like, they can't put him out in public without his arrogance. Yeah. Knocking like, people out. Like, like, the, like the guy is an asshole. Like he, he, it's just hard to avoid that. And also like every movie that he's actually written has been pretty mediocre outside of what he did in terms of the rewrites for Rogue One. So like, I don't know if they're just like really like trying to like hedge their bets and like really kind of put stuff on the side and like wait to see how, how things develop with this. But yeah, it's, it's odd that like this was one of the first shows that was announced and it's the one that has made the least progress in terms of what we've seen yeah. from it. I, I think... I mean, who the hell knows? I think one thing that has probably muted it a bit and maybe even pushed it back on the schedule was Kenobi shifting to TV. Yeah. And and getting the... They knew with Kenobi and the characters and the actors they were bringing back, like, this is going to be our shining star. So let's get this out first. Let's wow the shit out of them. And or, you know, it, it's got legs. It's got the Rogue One tie. We can... We can kind of sit on it still because it is an, it's still kind of an unknown commodity compared to the prequel actors and those characters. So I, I think Kenobi has muted Andor's parade this year a bit, uh, but it is it is odd like how quiet overall it's been. But yeah. th- that's probably going to change come next week. I think yeah. you celebration you're you're going to get probably a poster, a, a teaser. Uh, and then it, it'll start ramping up the release date. I mean, they do say it is going to be end of summer 2022. That was the other thing that came out of this report. So yeah. it's definitely on the schedule for um, after Kenobi. Uh, we still don't know where Bad Batch is going either. Um, yeah. But they, they've they've definitely they've gotten away from long game promotions. It seems like, hey, eight to 12 weeks max, we're going to promote this stuff and and that's it. Yeah. I mean, like not even promotions because I see like a couple of people like, yeah, they promote their shows right before the thing. Yeah, I know that. Like they promote their shows, like, but it's not even about promotion. Like promotion is like, we're putting money, we're putting people out in front of cameras. Like that's a, that's a strategized marketing play. I'm just talking about buzz. Like there's no buzz around Andor. No, yeah, you're, you're, you're correct. It does feel buzzless. Yeah. Like there was, there Uh, was buzz for Ahsoka before the show was even titled Ahsoka. Like there was, but there was more buzz. I mean, and it may be just because the established characters are more interesting for people around those things, but even like, I think, I think so. Like like book and stuff like that. Like Andor is probably the softest cast, which is why it doesn't have buzz, but it's odd considering that that was the most loved movie that has come out so far. Yeah, it is. Hey, hey, dude, it's the Star Wars fandom we're talking <laughs> about. You just, true. you really don't, you really don't know. Uh, none of it makes sense anymore. None of it. Um, but we're here for it. And uh, uh, like I said, I, next week, I think is going to be Andor's coming out party finally. Yeah. Uh, as well as some of the other stuff like Bad Batch. We, we still are owed dates on. Like, owed like, yeah, fuck it. I pay for the service. I am owed the, the damn dates. Come on. <laughs> Um, but I don't. I I think Andor could be could be great. It's it's gonna kind of scratch more of that uh, pre A New Hope Rogue One itch that Kenobi's gonna give us, that Bad Batch is giving us. I really am. I am a huge fan of that that time period because it is so ripe for storytelling. But storytelling 
with all the stuff that I love, like tail end prequel stuff leading into my favorite trilogy stuff. It really doesn't get much better for me in terms of the timeline and and some of the stories that can be told and, and some of the gaps that can be filled in that connective tissue shit that Dave Filoni is talking about. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I do think Andor is going to be a winner. It just, yeah. as Nick said, it's going to have the built in rogue one fan audience. He's not lying. It, it's, I think just in our live stream chat, we've had multiple, you know, R one is the best thing Disney has done period. It's up there with empire strikes back. I think tones went that far, uh, in terms of his love for it. So, um, it'll get there. And and don't worry, Devin. Like I said, I think you are going to see Cassian as a kid getting his planet blown up by the Empire and having to kind of relocate. relocate and all that that type of stuff. Um, but it, it does. You, then it kind of gets into Nick's point. Like, all right, if he was a kid when the Empire started, but we're not fully 18 years close to the New Hope, and he already looks like this, so yeah. uh, I don't think he can be too young of a kid. Is what I'm I'm getting at. I, Maybe I, uh, like early teens or something like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> that 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 probably makes a little more sense now that we saw Diego in that shot. No doubt. Uh, so. Uh, the other part of this post that we wanted to touch on and, and tones uh, dropped in the chat here is that that grammar rodeo project that Nick talked about a few weeks ago, it's, it is a thing. Uh, it's been confirmed in that Vanity Fair piece, and we just got a snippet on it. It's not even like a quote. It was just uh, the, the author's uh, write up. So here we go. So it is going to the show takes place during the post return of the Jedi reconstruction that follows the fall of the empire, the same as the Mandalorian, but, but it's plot remains a secret. It's creative. Oh dude, it's created <laughs> and executive produced by director, John Watts and writer, Chris Ford, who made Spider-Man homecoming for Marvel. A casting notice has called for four children around 11 to 12 Inside Lucasfilm, the show is being described as a galactic version of classic Amblin coming-of-age adventure films of the 80s. That gives me so before, very, like, like teen-centric type of vibes, like younger audience. And, and I don't think it can be about Jedi, right? If it's taking place at no. post-Return of the Jedi, I mean, Luke, we saw his temple, the first structures going up. He's not, you know, teaching en masse yet. So, uh, I mean, this very well could just be, I, I don't know, what, what, what could it be now? Like, why would we be interested in following kids? Like, did the kids have to belong to a group for us to be interested, Nick? That's what I kind of yeah. want to get to. It, it's, it's interesting that they place it as a coming of age type of it, it, story. It's, it's also been described as like Stranger Things, Star Wars. So, yeah, you're right. Like the younger cast kind of coming of age through I mean, an experience, an event. Maybe it's like we were, I mean, we were just talking about Acolyte being like, a, like focusing on the Renaissance, like focusing on, the, you know, the, this age of enlightenment. And you would have to imagine that after, what are you talking, you know, the almost 30 years of imperial control stranglehold on the galaxy that after the fall of the empire takes place, then you almost have this second Renaissance where like, yeah, that's a good point. Like a generation of people who've never had the opportunity to explore, to, you know, to really sink their teeth into the galaxy now have this wide open space in front of them that gives them the opportunity to, to, to say like, Hey man, 
Like I want to, I want to do like what the people of the old West did. Like I want to go somewhere and I want to forge a path for myself. So maybe it will focus on like a younger group of explorers for lack of a better term. Cause we really don't have that archetype in star Wars yet, where you have just this group of people who want to get out after the fall of the empire and explore the galaxy. Unlike they were able to do for their whole life. And you don't have to be a Jedi. You don't have to be force sensitive. Maybe somebody will be, maybe somebody won't be, but you you also don't have to be like a smuggler or a bounty <laughs> it's hunter. It's funny. Cause I, I was going to ask you, Nick, uh, all right, then do they have to have the archetypes in the group? Will we have a scoundrel kid, a force sensitive kid, a Wookiee kid, a yeah. droid kid, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the comic relief kid. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't know. And that's the thing is like, because you don't, you're not working with the fetters of like the only people who can get around during the age of the empire were smugglers, bounty hunters. And then if, unless you're a part of the rebel cells or something like that, like you don't necessarily have to have one of those archetypes in your group anymore. You could literally just be a group of people who were like our entire lives. We've only been able to live on X planet, whatever it may be. We don't, we've only been able to live on, uh, on Coruscant in the in the lower uh, uh, floors of Coruscant because everything has been strangle held by the Empire. Right now, they just want to they just want to fucking get out there. They just want to see what is happening, you know. And and maybe it's just as simple as that. Like it's a it's a band of misfits that are making their yeah, way I, through I the think galaxy. In the chat here on the live stream, by the way, if you want to join. Every Tuesday, youtube.com slash Star Wars Time Show usually go live around 2.30 p. East unless one of the hosts have COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Devin, honestly, in terms of just like a quick one-line pitch, might be spot on. So some kids searching for a MacGuffin and end up in danger. I, I think that's about, about spot on for Grammar Rodeo at this point in terms I mean, of what we know. It- I mean, if you think about the movie, I mean, like, yeah, people are like talking about like E.T., but even like Goonies and, and, and shit yeah, like that, where it's that's like, that's what I mean. You know, they, they hear a le- maybe they hear a legend of, of Luke Skywalker. Maybe it's the legend of Luke's blade and they want to go look for it or yeah. the, the legend of Vader's armor and they go look for try to look for Vader's burn up shit. Uh, I think that may have been established in comics, but something like that, right? Yeah, like, exactly. They they, they kind of hear a legend that fans obviously would know about, but these kids being younger have only heard it. Kind of like how Ray and Finn reacted to Han, like, holy shit, the stories are true. You are the guy. Exactly. Where they, they hear about a tale, and then that kind of gets them mixed up in an adventure that leads to hijinks, to danger, to learning lessons, until ultimately the coming of age moment at the end, right? Yeah, when yeah. They, they all grow up, they've learned a lesson, maybe lost a friend along the way, but now now they know who they are moving forward in their lives. I think it's a fun concept and it's something that you really haven't seen in Star Wars before because you've been so focused on the archetypal stories, you've been so focused on the battle of good and evil and every 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 piece of Star Wars content that we've gotten up until recently with The Mandalorian has been the battle between good and evil. Like that's what it is. It's like you have your good guys in the Jedi, you have your bad guys in the Sith. Even in the in the prequel days, it was the CIS versus the Republic. It's always been X versus X. And yeah. this is the first time that we've been in an era where it's not that or you've had storytelling in mass where it's not just like good guy punch bad guy, bad guy die. Oh yeah, there, there's a lot win. of 
you know. A lot of gray area in the Mandoverse timeline. I mean, yeah, yeah you had the New Republic. Yes, you have the Remnant. But you also have bounty hunters and scoundrels doing good things now and doing bad things. You just, Nick is right. It's not just black and white. And Grammar Rodeo sounds like, yeah, sure, those factions are probably still going to be in the universe, but it's not going to be the driving force of the story itself. It is going to be focused on these young kids and whatever adventure they get mixed up in, which probably will go against the good faction and the bad faction, exactly. right? They're like, kids, so yeah, they're, they're probably going to piss off both, both sides. sides. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with Sir Dork in the chat. I'm, I'm definitely interest, interested in this, but big surprise. I'm interested in anything Star Wars. Uh, Nick could dress up some fecal <laughs> matter in like a, a Darth Vader helmet and go, oh, I'm Darth Vader, oh, and I'd probably watch it and get some form of enjoyment out of it. That's just, that's just how it goes. Um, well, hey, uh, we got uh, Vicente in here, Lima Four Photos, getting some live stream in. It is five in the morning where he's at in Oof. Manila. The little baby's up, so he's catching some of the show live. We speak your name, my friend. Thank you. Okay, we got to pick up the pace here a little bit. Uh, this next one, though, for you film buffs, Nick, not going to mm-hmm. make you happy here. It's not really sounding great on the movie front. Uh, but for those of you that have your Ryan Johnson voodoo dolls, you may consider this a win because uh, Lucasfilm via KK has confirmed that the Ryan Johnson trilogy is on the back burners, as she says, because of Knives Out. Which, you know, Nick and I kind of hinted at. It's like, hey, even if even it was still a thing, Ryan essentially created his own Star Wars like George did. So he's raking in the cash and not taking it up the ass from Star Wars fans. So he's probably just fine with things being on the back burner. Um, But for those of you that get triggered by the name Ryan Johnson, as of right now, his trilogy is looking pretty D.O.A., yeah. Um, back burner in Hollywood usually means it ain't fucking it's happening. No. And she even goes, goes on to say right here, like, I hesitate to use the word trilogies anymore because Star Wars is much more about persistent storytelling. So even if he does get a movie, it, it, it probably won't be a trilogy because uh, now that is a bad word. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just showing more of the shift towards long form TV style and then eventually having like, like we had been talking about before when we had brought up Kevin Feige, cause we we're about to talk about him again, but like having more of a Feige style MCU where like you have interconnected narratives, but not necessarily like a trilogy of films that tell a contained story. You have like, you'll have a movie that's about whoever you'll have a movie that's about Iron Man, you have a movie that's about the Hulk, you have a movie that's about all these different Marvel characters that then come together in different ways. So yeah. I don't, I, and I like, I do like that they're not being so beholden to the trilogy format anymore because I think you can still have trilogies within persistent storytelling universes, but you're not locked into like everything has to have three movies and then it's over. Like yeah. you, 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 there's a lot more room for. for I, I'd also movies. argue that even when they liked trilogies, at least the sequel trilogy, there wasn't persistent storytelling. So it, it's another like course correct they're trying to do for how the um, sequel trilogy was managed. Yeah, we got a Jay Luke in here. Your streaming is killing me. Hopefully in a bad way. <laughs> like, uh, what does that mean? Your streaming is killing. Like, are we? Is it our piss stream? Our <laughs> anal stream? 
our I'm live not, stream. What, what are we I'll talking about here, Jay Luke? Thank you for telling <laughs> us that we're doing yes. such a good job. Yes, we, we, we speak your name and we love you too. Uh, uh, all right, so there you go on the Ryan Johnson yeah. front. I know a lot of you are probably happy. No this one there. is probably going to get Nick happy, but we're, we're still looking at years and years out, it looks like now. But apparently Taika's movie is now going to be the first one to hit theaters, even before Rogue Squadron, which... Nick, that was supposed to be a teaser. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, title teaser, a big uh not even a teaser. I mean it had like that, that big montage with Patty walking down jetways and whatnot. Yeah. Uh that was supposed to come out in 2023. 2023. That that's that's gone now and it doesn't even sound like Tyka's, which is going to be the first one is even remotely ready for 23. So at this point Nick, I I think 24 or 25 at the earliest which is going to put us damn near, what, six, seven years after <laughs> The Rise of Skywalker dropped. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not surprising, I'll put it this way, because of the disaster that was Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, I feel like if Wonder Woman 1984 was actually good and, you know, like the people, the brass at Lucasfilm saw it was like, this is good. We trust you even more than we trusted you just from Wonder Woman one. Then it would it would be all systems go. But I think what what ended up happening happening was they saw Wonder Woman 1984 and they were like, hey, let me read what you have on paper for Rogue Squadron. Like, let me let me read draft two. And they read it and they were like, you're doing exactly oh. what you did in 19 in, in Wonder Woman 1984. So we need to really yeah. rethink what's happening here so let's let's just start i mean from didn't we, we we had graphics right i think we, we might still have it on one of our social pages where it's like star wars 2023 oh, yeah. 2025 2027 it was supposed to flip-flop with avatar and so far avatar has held up its end of the bargain but that's not going to be the case with star wars i yeah hell all all 10 planned avatar sequels could very well come out before we get our next star wars movie at this point in time no you're right uh, and and like Here's the thing, as long like, and Disney's not upset about it because Disney doesn't have to foot $200 million to, to, to film and produce a movie. And I think the other thing, Nick, that they have going for them is the success of the live action oh, yeah. shows because yeah, they, 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 they can satiate us freaks that need yearly Star Wars while kind of slow burning on the movie side for, you know, people that yeah. would only go see stuff in a theater. Yeah. They're, they're not feeling pressure. Like, I'll, no. I'll tell you that, like, they're not feeling any pressure. And, and in fact, they're probably happy about it. They're like, good. We don't have to, we don't have to fucking deal with all of the rigmarole that is a Star Wars movie again. Like we, we, we just don't have to deal with that. Um, and they'll just, they'll ride that train until, until they're confident in Tyka's work and then they'll put that out. And yeah, I, I don't expect that we'll see Tyka. Hopefully, thing he makes it because I, I I I still think he will produce one of the most odd Star Wars films to date, and I'm all for that. Like I, think I, he's I do want to see some weird Star Wars. Yeah, he's the most bankable writer director star in Hollywood right now. Like you, I don't even think you could argue with that. Like based off of what he did with. Jojo Rabbit, like Jojo Rabbit was a movie that could have easily been like art house piece that does really well in Oscars, but that movie fucking killed it commercially. And people not only loved the writing, but they loved him in it. And <laughs> not just that, but his new show too, uh, Our Flag Means Death on HBO. Like people fucking love that show. 
and it seems like everything that he touches just turns into like yeah, he's gold, critical and and commercial. So he has become a darling of pop culture. It seems anything he does or is attached to usually is received well by fans and critics. So yeah, I I, I hope he makes it through the machine. But it, it, the the movie machine at Lucasfilm right now is moving slow and methodically. And is in no rush to get things done. I mean, she even went on to say, and who knows if this is just, you know, PR stuff. But when asked about Feige, is he making a Star Wars? And she just said, I would love to see what movie he might come up with. But right now, no, there isn't anything specifically. So she's saying he's just getting money from Lucasfilm to get it. You know, again, he he got a contract there. That's official. What's he doing? Who the fuck knows? He's, he's double dipping at this point. I mean, it, it seems like he... Given the delays with with the movies, it seems like he may be taking a more um, organizational look at the Star Wars film franchise. Yeah, and it's like in a hey, holding pattern. Yeah, like hey, let, let, before I put my name to any film, let me help you get your shit figured out, and then that way, yeah. when I have my name on a film, it's not coming out in a disaster run. No, a a guy like that, there's no doubt he's trying to protect his rep because, I mean, so far he's one of the most successful producers of all time. Like if you just go on the amount of films he's produced, the success of them, both from fans and critics and then the money. Yeah. I don't know if he has a contemporary. I mean, hard to argue. Right. I mean, he's he's over what almost 40 Marvel movies at this point, And pretty much all of them were commercial success. All of them were commercial successes. Critical. You can't some say, yeah, some, like that, you know, but. weren't, weren't critical darlings, but you know, people still watch them, love them, cherish them. Yeah. And he did an amazing thing with the first three phases of the MCU. I phase four seems a little more loosey goosey. There's not, they haven't quite established an overarching. This is what we're working towards yet, but the, the films are still damn good. Doctor Strange 2 made a fuck ton of money, that which means people just sign up blindly and go. It doesn't matter because they, they know the brand. They know what they're going to get. Yeah. And maybe that's part of what he's doing here. Maybe that's why the, the Star Wars movies are moving more slow. Yeah. They are trying to figure out a 10-year a plan, a 15-year plan. Yeah, it's and, the first of uh, it's the first of its kind. Like we've we've never ever seen something like this before. Like the MCU, I'm talking about. Like we you you've had successful producers that have produced you know bangers, you know ten dozens, sometimes even into the you know the twenties. But like you've never seen an interconnected series of movies that have come out over more than two decades that have just all hit. Like it's never been done before. So I don't, I, I really, I think you're right. I don't think he has a contemporary. I don't think that he has somebody that's no. in his, his field that he could consider a true peer. Um, and that's, that's very rare that something like that happens. So like, they're probably listening to him like, Hey, we're, we're already in the same family. We're, we're all mouse bros. So like, why don't you help us get to where we need to be? Yeah. In the, on the Star Wars side. He, he gives them a few notes and, and clears $10 million a year, something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do this, don't do that, yeah. see you in a week. Trilogies are bad. <laughs> Kevin. Yeah, Persistent storytelling. Kevin. Yeah, love Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Connective tissue, check. Yeah. It's like, here's the buzzwords. Bring, 
bring back prequel characters that young people who are now older like. Check. Yeah, check. Okay. <laughs> Have them wear flood pants. Check. This is all <laughs> the Feige plan, the, the Feige manifesto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very easy oh boy (laughs) so yeah um if you're waiting for star wars films and actual news just keep waiting because i don't think you're gonna get much at celebration outside of more this type of general talk like oh yeah tyke is still involved and yeah we love him and kevin love him patty lover yeah uh but i don't think you're gonna get any it seems the roadmaps are dead for the the film verse or the film wing of star wars that that died when we had the map going all the way through 21 with a Kenobi film and when there's supposed to be a Boba film and all that other yeah, fun y- stuff. Yoda. T- Tone says something interesting. I want to address it real quick. He says, Disney went into Marvel with a solid plan. They were clueless with Star Wars. I don't think that's true. I think they went into Star Wars with a plan. You could see it very clearly. You could see the bad plan. plan. That's the difference. The, the, <laughs> it was a bad well, plan. It was a plan that w- they were following after the original trilogy. The original trilogy, and we've talked about this before. The original trilogy, they did the same thing that they did with the with the new with the sequel trilogy. Three different directors. What they were missing was the linchpin piece, and the linchpin piece should have been Dave Filoni. Because honestly, you could have done the same thing. You could have given uh, Colin a movie. You could have given JJ a movie. You could have given Ryan a movie. All of them could have done that. But what they didn't have was Dave Filoni to say like, okay, or th- yeah. you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, and then this is how they all tie together. That was the piece Correct. that they were missing. They had the plan. The plan was based off of how they'd made the original trilogy. You had Lucas, you had Kirshner, you had Marchand. They all, um, they all had their own movie that they directed, but... The Filoni was George, George. wrote them. Yes. Yeah. George like the, was the main writer. That and, that's the yeah. thing. You had three different writers that didn't have to fucking communicate work with, with the each other, other writers. Yeah. I like, mean, literally. And like, hey, I, I guess they assumed that that was going to be the story group, but the story group in it like did not do anything to influence and or direct the storytelling that was that was being done by each of the other writers. So like I I don't know if they fe- if that was the plan if like the story group was supposed to be more heavy handed with the well, writers that's how and they, they just were propping them up I mean they they yeah. made it sound like the story group they would be the caretakers of the canon like Filoni has ultimately become but it, clearly they were just there for reference like hey can I do this with Luke ah maybe not all right fuck you I'm doing it anyway <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like, it's, they okay didn't go ahead a- Mr Johnson or go ahead Mr Abrams yeah. or go ahead Mr Trevorrow. So they, they had a plan. They just didn't have the guiding force necessary to execute the plan properly. It, it, was, a, like, it, it was a bad plan, but there was a plan. And it was yeah. even beyond the, the trilogy. There was, there was a legit roadmap for Star Wars stories. Remember Rogue One, a Star Wars story. That was supposed to be a thing. Yeah. Like the Star Wars stories were supposed to be a thing yeah, that were going to break up the trilogy. You, you were yeah. going to get TFA, a Star Wars story, TLJ, a Star Wars story, TROS, a Star Wars story. Yep. But TLJ happened, Solo happened, and they, sh- they they just freaked out. They're like, okay, we, we fucked up clearly. We've, we've angered the fan base. We messed up schedules. We, we ran roughshod over Solo. It's done. And they just, yeah. they killed it all. That's where the Kenobi movie died. The Boba Fett movie died and TV talk eventually yeah. came through. 
Yeah, they yes, they had a plan. They just didn't have the pieces necessary to to execute it properly. Like that that was their problem. I think it honestly, if you tell me we're gonna we're gonna go again, or like if we go through the world between worlds and we go back to the initial time where they're like, we're gonna do another Star Wars trilogy. And if I can go through the world between worlds and then put in their heads like, okay, we're gonna make a new Star Wars trilogy, but the guiding force between the entire storytelling is going to be Dave Filoni and he's going to have final say and he's going to be the one who who makes sure all this makes sense. That is a successful trilogy to me, honestly. Yeah. I would, just like Ezra, I would throw Filoni through the portal like he did to Ahsoka. He would land in the, the, the meeting room and he doesn't even have to be the writer. He just, he, he has to be the, the, the main person. Yeah. The writer can be the same. I still think the writer would have to be the same for all three movies or at least working with the previous writer. Yeah. But yeah, as Nick said, Filoni would be the gatekeeper. Oh, this is the idea you have? No. Oh, this is better. Yes, because now it's going to actually line up with what happened in the first movie. So there you go. There was a plan. It was a bad one. And here we are. Now we don't get Star Wars movies for like decades at this point in time. Okay, a quick one here before we get into the fan segment, and that is just the fact that we now know the official title of Jedi Fallen Order 2. It's going to be called Star Wars Jedi Survivor. All right, and um, the other report on this is you're definitely going to get shit next week, trailers, release date maybe, uh, but uh, the release window is now looking like, I think it was February, March of 2023. So. I think that the name change makes sense. I mean, uh, Fallen Order and seeing the Fallen Order was covered in the first game. Cal made it out. He is a survivor. He's working with another survivor. So here we go. Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Um, does one survivor find more? Only time will tell for the milk toast boy to return to your small screen on a console near you. <laughs> uh, All right. I mean, I, it's it's. I'm I'm excited to see what they do with it. I hope they change the combat system a little bit. Um, We'll see. I'm with you on that. I mean, I just give me a button masher or give me force unleash where I can just sit there and be like, quack, 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 quack. I don't need a souls like Star Wars game. It just does not line up. Yeah. They're made of light. Okay. All right, as we are um, getting close to ending episode 213, as we always do towards the end of a Star Wars Time Show episode, we like to dedicate some time to our fans. There's always two ways to get involved. First up is the question of the week, which gets posted on our Instagram at Star Wars Time Show. Uh, So make sure to check that out Tuesday mornings, both in our stories and on our posts. One of these days, maybe I'll start throwing up the question of the week as a reel or a short because we clearly get way more exposure doing it that way. Uh, so let's go ahead, Nick. You told me it was a shitty question of the week this week. Only take, seven responses. I on will. The, um, I I'll, I'll take the blame for that. I uh, I got caught up and always, you know, trying to theme it to things, and it, it probably was a pretty weak question. So let me go ahead and get it pulled up on the screen here for those of you in the live stream, and we will proceed with the question, which is. What has been the most enjoyable aspect of the Obi-Wan Kenobi press tour for you and why? Hello there. Hello there. And the fans have spoken and clearly none of it. So all, let's, all let's seven start of with them came Nick out. got to do the old full on uh, <laughs> screenshot one, today. One <laughs> so screenshot. Go, go for it. 
They all fit in. Scion, XCC is the first one who responded. He says, seeing Hayden and Ewan back together and how happy they are to be working on a Star Wars project again. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that like if there's one thing that you can actually pull out of the PR speak and the marketing talk and here's your talking points and all this bullshit is that they these two are legitimately happy to be back together, working together um, on a Star Wars right. project and, and something. You know, and and I know they're they're trying to sell something they did. But if you think about the trauma these two men have from the prequels, I don't think they would be as jovial and lighthearted in their press tour pitches and interviews if they thought Kenobi was going to ruin your Star Wars childhood. Yeah, so like keep if that it, in mind too. If they, if they were literally like sitting behind green screens again talking to tennis balls on sticks, I don't feel like <laughs> they would be as as yeah. hyped as they I, are. I I generally think these two guys are super amped for what they yeah. produced and created and want us all to see it and be just as excited as they are talking about it. Yeah. Um, agreed. So next up, TBS Data Vault, Ewan's pants taking the high ground. I told you it was a thing. I like these pants, the pants memes are, are real, I guess. They're, um, they're wicked pants. I mean, someone of my I short saw, stature, yeah. there, oh, there's, yeah. there's no way I could wear what, what they put Hayden in. I, I would look like a, like a sail that goes on a boat. <laughs> you just string me up there and saw, catch dude, the wind. I mean, they were, they were definitely interesting, uh, style yeah. choices. <laughs> hey. Hey. Whatever. Y- yesterday I wore literally socks that look like Boba Fett with shorts pulled up to my knees. And that's how I rolled yeah. around the neighborhood. So um, uh, not, <laughs> not that I have much fashion sense. <laughs> All right. Next up, Star Wars Black Series Clips says not only is it great seeing them back together, but hearing about how the fans support really helped their decision to come back to Star Wars. I feel like they're really enjoying this return and the connection with the fans where they didn't have that in the prequels as much with the critics dampening that experience. Yeah, I think honestly, this is the one time where I think that like social media has been nice to a Star yeah. Wars project. Yes. You know, yes. like this is the first time we we're like, man, it's, the social media buzz really made me want to do it again. It's like, yeah, usually it's the other way. It's funny that they say that because if they would have had social media back then, they probably wouldn't have come back because they'd be like, no, we remember what that was like. I don't care if this is going to be the best Star Wars ever. I'm not going to subject myself to these heathens and trolls again. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a, a nice turn of events for, for both Hayden and you in here. Uh, Bat2797 says gotta be the bros back together for me i'm super hyped about the continuous story and where it will lead us can't wait to see the holy shit look on obi-wan's face when he sees vader proper for the first yes. time yes and i think we can now say for sure i forget where i read this but um obi-wan does feel like he left anakin for dead so he's he, he doesn't know that vader is the anakin vader is. i mean he'll obviously figure it out in the series but he he will not know that to start yeah uh, Tones, 1138. Hey, Dens. Hey, Dens. H-E-Y-D-N's. Pants and outrage, and the outrage it caused. <laughs> I mean, pants, man. You gotta, you gotta be very up to date on your pants style. <laughs> and uh, whoever, whoever figured out to put that to the, they fly now meme with Poe is just I know, brilliant. I, I mean, they were, as fucked up as the internet is and some of the damage it has done to society and it will take us all out. There are still little treats like that out there. Yeah, I know. Those memers are still out there (laughs) making it happen. They complain about pants now. (laughs) Good stuff. Next up, Skywalker Uh, Hendrix says, seeing Hayden again. Just very simple. And then Vinfaith Customs 
our last responder said, seeing that McGregor care and love episode, seeing that McGregor care and love ep- one, two, and three. Plus the friendship with Hayden is pleasant to see. Bring us back some years ago. Um, so I guess it's just him realizing that even though the critical response was bad to the uh, prequel trilogy, that that McGregor and Hayden. Oh, look at, we're we're getting it. some t- tones just saying he made the they complain about pants now. All right. Give that guy a Star Wars meme medal. I know he's one of our biggest meme sharers in our Discord. If you want to join, we have an open link in our Instagram account. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know. I, I figured you just picked that up with some of the other ones you find. So kudos <laughs> to you. That that was a winner for sure. Yeah, that was a dub. That was a W. Take that home with you. Put that in All a right. frame. Tones. Hang it on your wall. Tones. Meme champion. Right. Uh, and that's all the responses. I mean, mostly go. it's just people seeing. <laughs> like honestly, the 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 general response was seeing Hayden and you and standing next to each other and smiling. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it I is. I can't good. wait to see him stand next to each other in costume, swinging trying to kill each lightsabers other. at each that's other. That's what I'm looking for. That's right. I mean, uh, we're talking next Friday, getting double episode. If the rumors are true, we should get that Vader stinger right at the end of episode two. Um, that, that'll be our first kind of look at him. I'm sure he'll be discussed or his presence will be omnipresent over the first two episodes, but we should get him in a stinger at the end of episode two next Friday or whenever you tune in, I guess if you're on the East coast, 3 AM on the 27th. Yeah. I just saw this thing pop up on from GameSpot. And I think that this is a mischaracterization. GameSpot put out something that says Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy confirms that the Star Wars franchise will no longer cast new actors in the role of classic characters. That's not what she said. Like she said, yeah, it wasn't. I mean, she kind of implied. I, I get. I, I can get where they're. See, this is this is textbook twenty first century clickbait yeah. on Gamespot's part, where they took what she said and kind of put their own spin to it. Where yeah, you could you could infer that that's what she said, but that's not what she said. That's not what she said. What she said was, I think, like by her estimation, Solo did bad because they recast a classic character. But as I mentioned. They're totally fine with recasting Billy D. Williams playing young Han Solo or young uh, Lando in the Lando series. And they're totally fine with recasting the character that plays the physical Luke because they do that all the time now. Like, that's not what she she did not say that they're not going to recast classic characters right. anymore. She said that that's what she thinks is the leading cause of Solo's poor performance. So, yeah, and she's 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 ultimately wrong wrong on that. about that. But yeah, yeah. That, but yeah, that that's the old clickbait game. You yeah, gotta love like, it. Kind of kind of take what they said, but then infer what you heard, and then run with that as as what they said. <laughs> indeed. So again, okay. Like, make sure you All read right, well, shit hey, for yourself to make sure that, that you know that the is real a problem. <laughs> that is a problem, and that, that that's across. I mean, we're talking about fake shit. I mean, my God, the like real life stuff that's fucking up everyone's lives over here. Like slow down sometimes and verify just because your friend, your buddy or your mom said something on social media or linked you to some site called politifuck.com doesn't mean it's real. Go look for yourself. You can do it. There's other sources of information out there than Facebook. All right, Nick. So the second way, if you are a fan of the Star Wars Time Show or you just love Star Wars and want to get involved and talk about on the Star Wars Time Show is to take part 
in our hashtag campaign on Instagram, hashtag Star Wars Time Show. Because if you do, and we see your shots, you can also tag the account at Star Wars Time Show. We may feature them throughout the week. And then on Monday, when Nick is ready to sit down and have his end of the day drink, he will pick his five favorite Star Wars works of art. Could be anything. We're not just limited to toy photography, even though that is what we mostly share. Uh, He'll pick his top five, and then we will talk about them right here on this show, on this here segment. So, Nick, who are we talking about for this week's top five Star Wars fan artist features, which is covering May 9th to May 16th? That's right. The first person that we're going to talk about is, again, at... Guillaume, G-U-I-L-L-A-U-M-E dot G-H-4 on the Instagram. And Guillaume here has been making his way into the top five rather frequently. I believe he was featured, what, like three or four weeks ago? And he's he's backing it again. And with shots like this... favorite of Nick's. Yeah. I mean, with shots like this, it's hard not to put him in the top five. I mean, this is a great picture of a clone one, or not a clone one, a phase one clone trooper. You can tell from the little fan on his head um out in the battlefield and i just like i don't know like this this looks like a if Zack snyder would were to make a star wars movie it's oh, got yeah, that with the tone yeah, yeah the color grading i got that the kind color of the, grading the 300 orange hue to it yeah and it's y- y- i can guarantee you this is in super slow motion in fact i think this picture is actually a gift just moving in super slow-mo like Zack snyder likes to do um, but it's like other than the the memeing and the making fun of Zack Snyder, like the shot itself is just incredibly well done. I mean, the the weathering on the figure, the excellent use of the of the color grading, like we said, in in the light tones in there, the scrapped heaps of of droids in the background. You can see, I think it's oh, like yeah. droidica in the back. You can see uh, part Balled of a, up B1. a little bit. Yeah, I yeah. got you there. Some B ones, B ones down, and this is just a badass dude making his way through a, a battlefield of, of dead droids, uh, leaving them in his. Yeah, wake. I, I can't tell because I can't see the breastplate to know for sure. But I think this is Echo, and th- that may be a Phase Two helmet. I think Phase Ones were the like truly the like the Geonosian helmets, if you remember those, Nick. Yeah. Um, where Phase Two they made the eyes a little more. Not slits. Not, yeah, a little wider. Yeah, either way, it, it's it's an arc trooper, and I, I do think it's it's Echo, but yeah, just a badass shot, nice pose holding that long rifle that the clones had, as Nick said. It really is, it's kind of the cinema quality color grading that mm-hmm. that stands out. And just, it, it's one of those shots that remind you of why fans flock to the clones, stormtroopers, any of the armored units in Star Wars. They just, they just look fucking cool. I mean, that is just a badass looking soldier of any variety, be it Star Wars or not. So another quality shot from guillaume.gh4, G-U-I-L-L-A-U-M-E dot G-H-4 on good. Instagram. Good, good stuff. Next up in the top five is at Phoenix Toy Photography. Phoenix underscore Toy Photography. It's another shot. Power shot. Uh, it's a great shot, yes, of Ricka. And he's really, yeah, power shot slamming this B1 just down into the ground so much so that he causes a massive dust oh, yeah. cloud, dust particle cloud to just fly up all around him. Uh Incredible shot. I love, I mean, I'm assuming he used some sort of like Sir Dork technique to get this uh, 
particle, like these flying particles. Yeah, that, I, I was going to say that you're right, Nick. It's the practical effects in the shot. So if you can't see it, you got Wrecker, essentially, he has a B1 by the throat, just forcefully jamming him down into the dirt. And due to the forceful jam, it's it's kicking up all these particles. So yeah, as Nick said, I'm guessing Phoenix either used like one of those, uh, you know, canned air or a drain declogger that you can kind of sit there. It looks like you're masturbating yourself. You got to <laughs> pump it up kind of like a super soaker. And then you go and it kicks up the dust with a powerful force to get this shot as long as you have a, you know, you got a, a good frame rate set on the camera and you have it, your, your shutter speed set to take multiple shots per click. Uh, it, it's just a great natural light outdoor practical shot. Uh, you, someone like me, that that's kind of how I started in this hobby. Uh, not fucking around with loom cubes or this, that, or atmosphere aerosols. I always love these just kind of back to basics, bread and butter, using what the universe gives you type of shots. And Phoenix underscore toy photography nailed the practicality of this bad, bad shot. Indeed. 100% nailed it. Beautiful stuff. At Phoenix underscore toy photography. Next up is at True Perry. Good True friend Perry. of the show. Um, and he's showing every, us. What, I have to tell you on Instagram, every time I start to type True Perry's name, guess who comes up first? Who? Who? I don't know. Trump. He, tr- oh, really? <laughs> the, oh, the God. Trump no. account. <laughs> he never comes up for me because I've never, like, I don't ah. know. Man, like, that's so weird. It's just because I start TRU and before I get the second U in it, it automatically goes to, it's like, true, Trump yeah. account. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> disgusting. Um, yeah. But True Perry is showing us what could happen in the Mandoverse eventually. So, what we see is good old. Jedi Knight Luke from the end of Mandalorian season two and his with, full black guard. It, with look, the green. it even looks like True Perry. I don't know. This seems to be a bit of a custom Luke too, because I don't know if you saw there, Nick, but he's got like a soft good tunic on yeah. as well. Yeah, the tunic is the tunic is soft goods. The cape is soft goods. I mean, like, so th- I guess this does not exist. Then is what you're saying. This is not available. I, I for don't. The yeah, I don't. Purchase. I don't think so. They. They. Uh, I have not seen a a Jedi Luke that gets the soft good tunic. Yeah. Okay. So he's got some customs going on here, but the the shot itself is 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 Mando era Luke and Neo Boba Fett just going through an Imperial facility right. of some sort, just blasting and cutting people up. And what I was saying was maybe this is an allusion to what we may see in the future of the Mandoverse that we get an actual team up between Boba Fett and Luke Skywalker. Yeah, and there there have been Nick, there's thing. actually been a lot of I, I call these like what if shots from the community um, of this timeline in particular pairing the Neo Boba. And I'm glad you remember because I coined that term years ago, by the way, yes. Neo Boba. Where Neo Boba has kind of, you know, we saw him become much more benevolent through the book of Boba Fett. That's one of my favorite aspects of it. It actually turns him into a goddamn character and not just a uh, put him in the cargo hold type of guy. But it, it is. It's like he goes on a, a reconciliation tour with people he wronged <laughs> during the original trilogy. So I've seen shots and it very well could have been true Perry pairing him with Han Solo. And now you're getting one with Luke, you know, because he, he brought it to Luke. Uh, just rewatching Jedi again. He, he jumps on that fucking skiff to take out Luke Skywalker. 
Yeah. That's who he goes after first. I mean, he he tries to shoot him. He tries to, you know, lasso him up with his tow cable. He's yep. not worried about blind ass Han and Chewie. No. He is solely focused on the Jedi or the force user. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he, he would need to make amends here, too. And it, it is kind of fun to think about. And you would think after Boba's renaissance, that's kind of a theme today on the show, the renaissances of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, he, he very well could end up working with past frenemies, if you will. Yeah, no, definitely a possibility. And then we have True Perry in here and he confirms it's a custom. So All the right. Luke figure you're seeing Looking is good. Looking good on the custom front there. Beautiful stuff. As usual from at True Perry, T-R-U-U-P-P-E-R-I on the Instagram. Thank you so much. I, I just like... Work like Boba's pose because it is it's just like he takes a step so in and casual. says fuck you I just shot your face yeah, yeah it's like hey hey how you doing boom right in the neck <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh yeah hey Boba you're looking good pal what are you doing with that Jedi <laughs> that's what I'm doing motherfucker I'm getting some vengeance Killing. Good, uh, good. He's like, I, I've been hanging out in Mos Espa trying to be a leader. I need to get some killing in. Yeah, I need to get you're some the first to die, fight. punk. Yeah. <laughs> Eat my blast. You see a little R2 in the background there. So, you know, R2 still tagging. Yeah, R- R2's looking at Boba like, oh, man, that, that guy's going good. ham. Like, he, yeah. he's just fucking blowing people out right in the neck, point blank. At <laughs> least my master's man. like just choking them out and maybe knocking them out, not, not completely murdering them. It's like, why didn't you cut this guy's head off? You have a lightsaber in your hand. <laughs> good, uh, good stuff, True Perry. All right, next up. This is our friend. This is our wrench. This is at super oh, underscore yeah. scoundrel with the beautiful vector art Kenobi teasing us even more for the upcoming Kenobi series. That, that as you he said, even gets that, that splash of blue light, like yeah, Obi Wan's like, lightsaber is, is kind of. Out of, out of frame, right? Yeah, ignited and out of frame. Now, what he should have done, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that Devin is a bad artist, but if he would have put the, mixed a little red hue in there too, you could say, oh, the, he's staring down Vader before a duel. Ooh, mm. look at Nick getting artistic <laughs> on your real ass painting ass. Look at that. <laughs> you better no, send I this mean, kid some prints or he's going to tear your shit up. <laughs> but, uh... I mean, I love how De- Devin always gets incredible amounts of detail into the individual hair strands from the beard. You can see reflections in the eyes, shadowing yep. under the neck, in the neck folds. Like all of these tiny, tiny details is what makes Devin, Devin able to actually make stuff for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I was going to say, this is why this this man designs for the stars. I mean, that's what Devin does for real life. I mean, I think it's through Cameo now, but they... They make cool shit for celebrities to then sell to their fans. Devin says he did um, a separate red version. Ooh, Nick so called him out on the carpet getting some replies. There we go. He said he yeah, did Yeah, I mean, hey, listen, th- at super underscore scoundrel, he's he's a show favorite. Uh, we don't play favorites. He became a favorite because he puts <laughs> out excellent looking um, work. So uh, we're almost always going to share his content when he creates something new. I, we, I know he's been busy getting ready for Celebration. Nick, he whipped himself up a They Fly Now Poe Dameron costume. He, he's nice. going. It looks pretty legit. Good leather belt. He's got the white shirt and the neck scarf down. Uh, I have to say Devin makes a, a pretty damn good 
cosplay Poe. So okay. I wonder is is his buddy Justin joining in the cosplay to like complete a a a, a look or a pairing for celebration. I guess we'll we'll have to see if Justin's still here, he can reply. But yeah, at super underscore scoundrel. Check him out. A great follow on Instagram for art, but also just, you know, for lifestyle stuff, designs, creative um, and then if people you, that if are really, way more intelligent really likes than us. You, he's going to, he'll give you Arnold Schwarzenegger's phone number. He gave it to me. He gave it to Matt. Yeah. Just got to get on um, his good side and he can hook you up with these celebrities. We're pen pals now. He calls right. me. I call him up all the time. We talk. Arnold and I, we talk fitness and donkeys because, you know, Arnold has a donkey as a pet that hangs out in the house. So we always, he's like, oh, my, I, you know, he's, he loves when I call him up. So thanks right, again man. to Devin. He's a very friendly guy. Uh, he's always, when I, I called him up this week, I'm like, man, I'm feeling sick. And he goes, it's not a tumor. I was like, thanks. And he Arnold. was right. He was right. I was, I was concerned about that. <laughs> like, it might be COVID, but it's not a tumor. It's like, thank you. Good. So, good. Uh, check him out at super underscore scoundrel on Instagram. He'll be out at the show next week. Celebration walking around that Poe costume. Uh, look for him. I know he wants fans hey. to come up to him and say hello. Take a picture. Say hello there. Um, all right. Last up in the top five this week is at Toy Realms. And what at Toy Realms has done for us is given us a fantastic action shot. Is this is this Casca? Because this is yep, not. That is, that is Miss Casca Reeves of the Night Owls. You are correct. Yes. So Casca on the battlefield just cutting down Imperial Remnant Stormtroopers like nothing. You can see them littered at her feet. And, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it's a great, it's just no a look. great action she's, shot. Yeah. So as Nick said, she's out on a battlefield. You got some fallen troopers there. She's engaging a trooper in front of her, shooting him in his neck. No looking a trooper behind her, shooting him in his tit. And then there's another one coming up. That's probably going to get a jetpack knee to the face. I'm just finishing the scene in my head. Cause that's what I do. Right. I mean, I've always talked about how toy photography should tell a story. And a lot of times the story should be one that the the viewer or the one looking at the image can kind of create and finish in their head. And yeah, it's just, hey, it's it's a Mandalorian babe doing what Mandalorian babes do. And that's kicking ass and not worrying about anyone's name. Indeed. I mean, mean, that's just that's just they're born and bred to kill. To kill and, and, and Casca is doing that right now very proficiently. Killing it, killing it. And um, for those of you interested, if you go to Toy Realms's uh, page, her name is Audrey. She also does uh, painting. So if you if you go to her personal page, you can DM her for pricing if you want to buy one of her paintings. So there you go. I always like to call out if there right. is a, Check a this sh- out. shop available or if Good they you, uh, sell you their actually- wares. Figuring out the people behind the handles. So Toy Realms here, a very talented Star Wars artist for sure. I'm just scrolling through the page to give everyone a dip because I think this is Toy Realms first top five. I can't remember. I I think it might be. I think it might be the first top five. But I mean, she's been putting out top quality. I mean, look look at this scene of the 501. I mean, I couldn't imagine setting all those little cock sucking figures up like that. You see him there? Yeah, that one's like how nuts. close. I mean, that that that's that is action figure dominoes waiting to happen. Dude, the one that she has of Kenobi carrying Cody too is wild. Like that one is really good. Yeah, it's a good one. 
Um, yeah, I think I shared down, this one too with the with the two um, stormtrooper sergeants or whatever, just kind of hanging out in that sunlit field. That's another great looking shot. So yeah, hey, yeah. if you couldn't figure out by all our words of praise for at Toy Realms, you definitely want to check them out on Instagram at T O Y R E A L M S for those that are a little slow with spelling. Oh, there you go. And that's it. That's the end of the top oh, five. Oh, and look that's- at this. We, we, we're getting a we're getting some inside information here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So according to Devin, aka Super Scoundrel, he somehow got the guy that made Casca and Bo's belt for the Mandalorian series to make him a Poe belt. See? So that's what I'm talking about. Look at you this. You want to be Connected. around these guys. They get they, they might not have one wheels yet, but they've got those connections in the industry. Indeed. You never know. Maybe they'll have another beach house for a week or something, just hanging out, living that good West Coast California life. <laughs> That's how they roll. We will not see them next week. Speaking of next week, as we put the show to bed, uh, things are going to get interesting the next two weeks for the SWTS because I leave for my two-week vacation. The plan as of now, if weather holds, which sadly it's looking like, just like last year, this is going to be the great week of weather. And next week when I go is going to be the shitty week of weather, but I guess I'll hold out through the force that that won't be the case. But as of right now, it's looking like Nick is probably going to go solo next week. Now, like I said, if it's just a shit day next Tuesday, we might fire it up and talk for a little bit, maybe kind of do a, a last hype for Kenobi cast cover any interesting topics like we always do. Uh, So you will get a cast next week. It's just, it's probably going to be, a solo show. If if it is solo, it will not be live. Either. Correct. So. Yeah, Nick doesn't have the setup to do lives. So um, next week's show, if you don't see anything going live Tuesday, you know that you will be getting the recorded version on Wednesday. I'm not sure if I'll also upload that to YouTube. Might force everyone on the podcast platforms to actually sub to the podcast platforms. We have we have tricks, my friend. We have ideas. The week after that, I'm still going to be on vacation, but knowing me and and the person I am with Star Wars, this will be post-celebration, post the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm thinking it's going to be damn near impossible for me not to get strapped in for a Star Wars time show during Memorial Day week. Um, Regardless, we'll have a show of some form. I think I'll be here, but if it's like an 85-degree day... I'm out. I'm, yeah. I'm just going to have to like pull the rip cord and just we'll we'll do a, a major show. Uh, I'll tell you what, Nick probably won't like this promise and he's, he's fair <laughs> to drop out at a certain time. But the week after Memorial Day, when I am back at home base, if, if we have not given a proper live stream since today, we'll have one of our like three to four hour bangers to get all caught up. Just to say, fuck it, maybe give uh, Nick a week off Memorial Day if I can't make it that week. So next week, for sure, I'm probably going to be out. Memorial Day week, it'll depend on the weather, or maybe we just do like a late night or early morning quick deal. And then the week after Memorial Day, we'll be back, and we'll probably touch on a lot of the celebration stuff, because I'm thinking Memorial Day, uh, to keep things short and sweet, We'll just dedicate the Memorial Day week cast to the first two episodes of Kenobi. 
I'm yeah. thinking that's the plan. Makes sense. We're, th- Makes we're sense. thinking on the fly. Like Lucasfilm in the sequel trilogy, we don't have a we great have. plan. <laughs> we have a plan. It may not be a good one. <laughs> we have a rough outline. <laughs> so it, it's really, the next two weeks for me are going to be a test in my insanity and OCD with Star Wars because it is going to be a legit one. Not only is Kenobi airing, but celebrations going down, which means from next Thursday to Sunday, there's going to be a lot of news to be covered that I'm going to really have to try to just trust that Nick is going to hit him when he gets to him. Because uh, if I don't, I will jump the gun. I will start doing stuff while I'm on vacation with the family, and I don't need to be doing that. Yeah. Now, if the weather sucks, so be it. It'll give me something to do, but I'm really hoping that I can kind of pull back a bit and in my own head, not feel like the show will die or I will die because I'm not immediately covering important Star Wars stuff. So just feel me out, my friends. Trust me. This I know it's funny to talk about, but I literally stress out over this shit. I'm thinking next week, how am I, will I be able to not do a Kenobi breakdown and live my life? That is a real conundrum I'm in. So let's see. Make it a game for fans of Star Wars Time Show. Will Matt get any Star Wars content out over his two-week break? Or will he succumb to the dark side and get up early and work late and miss vacation time with his family to cover Star Wars because he feels like if he doesn't, the show will go away, fans will hate him, and he will eventually die of some curse. Okay? So here we go. Wish me luck, but that's it. That is the end of SWTSE213. Hopefully you enjoyed the content. We were kind of all over the place celebrating Attack of the Clones, shitting on Attack of the Clones, and then kind of getting you all caught up with all things live-action Star Wars. So all we ask you now is to pretty please, if you're not already subscribed to any of our platforms, get with it. Do it right now. If you're just casually viewing the live stream as we end, go ahead and sub to the channel. Leave a like if you're still here. Drop a comment if you're still here. Uh, If you've already done all that, go force a friend to do it. Or a family member, a pet, it doesn't matter. Create fake accounts, burner accounts. Unlike Elon Musk, we embrace bots. (laughs) Whatever pads our numbers and stats on YouTube and whatnot, we are all right with. Okay? Spread the love. All you got to tell them is StarWarsTime.net. That's where they can go to kind of get a feel for the content we deliver and cover, the tone of the show. But most importantly, it's where they can get the links to subscribe to the podcast on its platforms, which are all of the good ones, and the YouTube channel. If you don't remember that, you can always get to YouTube, youtube.com slash Show. Let's go. Let's pump up those subs. I'm doing everything everyone's telling me to do. I'm trying to do a short a day, sometimes even on the weekend. Let's get there. Let's go. You guys tell us you love us. We're waiting for the masses and the algorithms to bless us as well. Because there's always time for Star Wars time. Sometimes there's too much time for Star Wars time in my case, and I need to not always have time for Star Wars time. And we'll kind of see how that goes over the next two weeks. The challenge is on. There's always time for Star Wars time. There's always time for Star Wars time. That's what I keep telling myself. And if you do listen to the Star Wars time show, I can guarantee you this. The Force will be with you. Always. Always.